My name is Lieutenant Aldo Rain, and I'm putting together a special team, and I need me eight soldiers. Eight Jewish American soldiers. Now, y'all might have heard rumors about the Armada happening soon. Well, we'll be leaving a little earlier. We're going to be dropped into France, dressed as civilians. And once we're in enemy territory, as a bushwhacking guerrilla army, we're going to be doing one thing and one thing only. Killing Nazis. But I got a word of warning for all you would-be warriors. When you join my command, you take on Debit. A Debit you owe me, personally. Each and every man under my command owes me 100 Nazi scalps. And I want my scalps. And all y'all will get me 100 Nazi scalps, taken from the heads of 100 dead Nazis. You will die trying. And welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that does, I think, what it says in the tin. It's best film ever. My name's Ian. I'm Liam. I'm Ethan. And I'm George. And I'm not going to lie, we have had the most amount of trouble getting to this and now i have to somehow get my notes up but also have the zoom meeting up i've got it we should be all right bless you for keeping your head that's all i can say yeah i want to chip in i want to help oh, yeah, you i want to suggest stuff you'd have been a big help <laughs> this is me all right we are here to do episode 137 in glorious bastards you're all in glorious bastards we love you all. oh man um and we're gonna be joined later by julene so i'm really really excited Whee! about that so let's crack on so we can we can welcome Julene to yeah. the uh, to the party. Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> so if this is your first episode or your 137th episode, thank you so thank much. You. And number one thanks go to the people who keep the lights on here at the Studio of Awesomeness. Mm-hmm. They keep us in cable money. <laughs> I say that because I think I'm going to buy a new, a new USB cable. I guess the problem was. Uh, and we're talking about Reverend Bruce, Julene Hermes, Lena Oberholzer, Katie McRae, Dwayne Smith, Dwayne Smith, Anthony and Davies, Chris Peterson, Randall Silva, Nate the Great, the Yeetmeister, Cheesy, Andy Dixon. Ooh. Sorry, I went to stop to see fish on a bike, but <laughs> and <laughs> Holly Cow. Holly, woo! There we are. Uh, in case you missed it last week, we did dirty dancing. We yeah. did. Um, big numbers. Uh, it, it might be a top ten first weeker. Really? It's it's close. It's close. Hey, no a couple, a, corner. A couple of days ago, it was like no brainer. We were going to be like a top ten first weeker, and then it's just we had like a great overnight where I woke up and it like it did like like two days worth of downloads just yeah. in like eight hours. Wow. And then it's like Ooh. six downloads the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. And we also had our cinematic council podcast, sort of big group thing, uh, which is always great fun to do. So there we go. Ethan, on a side note, I think we easily have enough questions now for a mailbag. So we're going to have to talk yeah. at some point once we get off mic about, uh, the ability to do that. And today is fantasy football Sunday. It is. Draft football. day. I have been uh, doing all sorts of things with all sorts of computers to try and get ready. Because this week of all weeks, my computer had to go to the shop as well. So I hope you remember what your email address was. Because I... Re- <laughs> I do good because I don't. And we saved the password. I think I remember the password, yeah, but we saved it on the other computer. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> there we go. Let's do some reflections and corrections. Um, the first one being, we had a very contentious reading of uh, Dirty Dancing. Oh, okay, you were part of it. Oh yeah. So the question was, <laughs> Doctor Houseman says, "Who's responsible for this?" Girl? Oh, that yes. Disagreement one. Yes. Georgia going. Is he really saying is she pregnant? 
Oh, well, no, 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 she's pregnant. Yeah. Who and made we, her pregnant? And we, he yeah. said that. And the second one was, does Johnny understand the uh, question being asked of him? Yeah, 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 no. I'm looking for my phone. Is my phone around? It's That's something I wanted to read table. off it. Mm, I think it's probably on the chair. I'll grab it in a second here. Um, so I did a couple things. I went out and uh, first thing, I put up a poll. I saw the well, poll. I, I did some research before I did the poll. And so the research was, um, am I the only person who's ever thought this? Is Liam the only person who's ever thought this? And I was stunned, dare I say stunned, to discover that um, there are a lot of people who are having this disagreement. Oh, well, they A ton of people who are having this disagreement. So me and my whole, you're wrong. You're just reading this wrong. You, 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 I don't think you're right, but... Is it colloquial? It wasn't as whatever. Cultural? Colloquial. Colloquial, as in like the language difference in between like England and America. I, yeah, I think absolutely. It's what I think it yeah. turns out to be. I put the poll out and the poll ended up going in Liam's favor, actually. Oh, um, cool. But it ended up going because Ethan was, was, was moved me, me on this one of memory serves. Yeah. And it went, I, uh, I'll, I'll look for the most exact up to date numbers, but it, I believe it was 50% for me. Sorry for you. 44% for me. And then 6%. For George's aberrant reading, I'll sit in my little own corner. I'm fine with that. <laughs> um, and then, so okay, here we go. So DH isn't asking that. Doctor Houseman, six yeah. percent. Doctor Houseman asks Johnny misunderstands fifty percent. Doctor Houseman asks Johnny does understand forty four percent. So I did some mm, more 50, digging. 50, really? And so my sister got a hold of me and went, which if you know my sister, like agreeing with me is not what we do. No, no, no. <laughs> but she went, it's definitely he understands. That's her opinion. I think it's a North American thing. I think when we go, who's responsible? He goes, I am. I think the notion is that everybody from that part of the world would fully understand what that question but is. But it seems stupid to answer that as yes when it's not. It just seems because stupid. He says but there's you- no follow up. No, we can, do, we, can, we can do the whole argument we no, did last week. I know, but it's like flip-flopping. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm right. I'm saying, uh, sorry, I'm not saying that this proves me right, because I think I am right. But I'm not saying this proves me right. It doesn't. It's just, again, it's part of this. Whatever thing. But So I even reached out to the, the, the screenwriter themselves. Oh, okay. Tracked her down on Twitter, all of 80-something years old, God bless her. And uh, she was very active on Twitter during the lockdown. And then apparently, she's put, I, I, I have messaged this woman daily all week long because <laughs> I, I, I will get a definitive response on this one if I can help it. So I will continue to ask this woman oh, once okay. a day until I get an answer. <laughs> Is that the, oh, bless her. Leave Burks? her be. You're <laughs> gonna get she's probably, she's probably never need- opened her phone to find. Terry uses Twitter less than Liam now. <laughs> so she's going, want this young man leave. Or she's sitting there going, it's the greatest mistake I ever did. Like, I never, clo- I never thought like 44% of people would read it this way. What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> but it does say something when literally when 50 50 pretty much two very different readings yep but like but the film changes its meaning considerably mm, based on I've those never, readings ever even considered your and situation. i never ever considered your situation it's weird isn't it yeah so anyway it just seems odd that you would admit to something that's the, not your fault the great mystery continues yeah 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 it just tell you what else is a great mystery go on every time we sit down to record every single time i get really sweaty hands Maybe you've uh, got an inner turmoil weirdness about being about on recording there. the pod. Yeah, yeah, it must be. Like, I think it must be my body's reaction to holy shit, people are going to listen to this. <laughs> and so when we're recording, my hands just sweat, which is why last week I went and picked up the stand again because my hands were getting so sweaty, they were getting wrinkly. <laughs> sweaty hands, sweaty hands. And I, was like, I can't be dealing with this. I can't hands. hold a microphone with sweaty hands. So I've got the stand back. Uh, my sister says, of course, it was a commonly known term back then, even now. And it puts the owner of the act very much of sex on the man, so much the 60s thing, the man was responsible, woman which just goes along with it, if that makes sense. 
I think it's all to do with that shot. Well, we, 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 we all agree that Dr. Houseman, 94% of us agree that Dr. Houseman is asking who got her pregnant and what his side of it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I just think Johnny, he's so quick. He realizes when baby's accusing him. Oh, I must be responsible, right? Yeah. So how do you how come he doesn't know it here? And everyone else says the same thing. Yeah, so how oh, come because you were going to say that. So, oh, how, yeah. so how come he doesn't know it in this moment? It just seems odd. Anyway. And why admit it then? There's a problem. There's a problem when you can have such, an, uh, such a divisive reading yeah, where the yeah. film totally changes. Yeah, totally. Totally changes. Yep. So anyway, there was that. Um, Nate, uh, who got a hold of us and said, your off-script episode was really enjoyable and really sad. Liam's story about his mom and the bike had me crying at work. I'm sorry, dude. Also, I love how Liam and George just say pasta. Pasta? <laughs> pasta? I don't know. <laughs> I don't hear it, but apparently Nate does. Pasta. Because oh, everyone else says pasta. You guys say pasta? We say pa- pasta. I might, I, might say, I might say pasta. Pasta. It might just be in the accent. Pasta salad, pasta, pasta salad. No, I, I'd always say pasta. Yeah. That might be a Canadian thing. One of my friends at work last week accidentally called Fusilli Pasta Fusilini. And so now I can just want to see a picture of Mussolini made out of Fusilli. Let's uh, pasta over to Ethan and see what he says. <laughs> I say pasta, but also... Oh, of course you would. I know you also George say tacos, to, so... Yeah, George used yeah. to bully me because of how He also thought New Zealand and Australia were the same, same size. size. <laughs> Let's not go with Ethan as an expert. Unless he's agreeing with me and backing me up, in which case... <laughs> to be fair, when it comes to food... Usually, pretty a pronunci- good. it's not food. It's a pronunciation question, isn't it? Mm-hmm. When it comes to food pronunciation, no. Yes, no. It's just any sort of pronunciation. You're, you're out, Ethan. I'm sorry, man. How about we pass this over to the shoutouts? Um, we've got uh, the Gorilla Brain Podcast, Ooh. who said, "I got hungry eyes for a good pod," and then sort of referenced us. I'm, I think that's a, I think that's a positive. Hey, that's yeah. there we are. That sounds good to me. I hope Mind I hope you. I hope they're responsible for a positive review. Forty-four percent my side. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ray from being bookish for every support always. Uh, Juline, who will be joining us hey, later. Hey, Juline. Hey. Uh, Jade, who's been giving us a lot of tweets lately, saying no one puts BFE in a corner. Oh, yeah. thanks, Jade. Damn straight, no one puts us in a corner. I would just like to point out, I am sat in the corner. You are sat in the corner. <laughs> um, what do we have next? We've got. Um, oh, she then blamed us for hungry eyes being stuck in her head. Yeah, it's good. Great song, song though. Yeah, I, I feel the magic between you and I. We got hungry eyes. Oh, nice. Um, Beautiful. We've got sci-fi remnant. Thank. They're always there. Thank you so much, Kev from the podcast that wouldn't die. Hey, love Kev. I want to get him on for like a see it or skip it or something. That'd be nice. Kev's good peeps. Yeah, Kev's good peeps. Uh, Latin jukebox, who again are always trumpeting. The good. Hey, anybody with the a good shit BFE. Good for me. There we are. So, Wizard. <laughs> music to my ears. Had a great talk about. Uh, there was a podcast looking to start up a Patreon. And so, we were sharing some of our experiences because So, Wizard have one as well. And we we're going mm-hmm. kind of. Here's what we've learned. And here's what our plan was. And I think our plan's done all right. Yeah. Oh. Done all right. Yeah. It's good to have a plan, though, and be realistic about it. Oh, stuff. we had to. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we you know, went. You got wh- set targets. And you yeah. Got, you know, otherwise, you're not going to get nowhere. Because th- there was an impulse to do it too soon. Yeah. yeah. There was an impulse yeah, yeah. to do we, it nine months off, in. We held off for a good year and a bit, didn't we? It was 21 months, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 21, 22 months. Yeah. We started March. And we, all, and we all agreed. We started March of 2020, and the Patreon started January 1st, 2023. Yeah, it was always wow. two years, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I watched The Lost Boys this week. So did my girlfriend. Really? She watched it. When did she watch it? Friday. I'm teaching it next year, so I thought I should probably uh, get my head around it. Oh. <sighs> 
Good which then prompted Russell the Post to think I've been replaced by an evil twin. <laughs> He's like, you're watching horror? I'm like, is it really horror? It's not really horror. It's not really horror. Nah. It's kind of like is horror it? elements, but it's really more like a, like, like a Goonies, like, yeah. like 80s nostalgia Spielberg sort of film. It's a bit like Scream. I don't see that as a horror either. No, nah, but that's different. That's, you know that, I mean? that, that's more like a self-aware taking the mech yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. This wasn't a commentary. This was oh, just... no, 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 no. no. Um... Kind of, yeah, it was, it was a cool movie. Well, one day I'm sure we'll do it. Um, so we Carlo should. then says his evil plan is on the BFE Patreon to make us all watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre oh, or Cannibal no. Holocaust. You no. know what? You know what, Carlo? You buy your ticket, you take your chances. Go ahead, buddy. I'll watch it. <laughs> Hop on the Patreon. Sorry. I'll watch it. Oh. There we are. I, I put it out there now. Won't watch it. It My bad. brings nightmares to me. Uh, Jennifer, oh. Jennifer Howell, who I think is a new one to the pod, starts yeah. defending the strong female protagonist in Dirty Dancing. Good Woo! shout. Oh. Because someone was, kind of, someone was kind of going about, hey, she's 17, he's 24, and it's going, and as we looked it up, it wasn't, you know, at that time, mm-hmm. that was legal, and that's, you know, there's got to be a place for that story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In that time, you can't yeah. change history. No, it'd be different if it's today. Absolutely, today it's a totally different story. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Totally different story. Mm-hmm. Uh, nostalgia cast also for speaking positively about the men of t- Twitter about Dirty Dancing. So a guy Yay. after your own heart. Canadian cat found out she's related to Patrick Swayze. That's wow! Cool. So she used to think he was like really like titillating and then found out they were very distantly related. I'm like, yeah, very, very distantly. I think you're okay. <laughs> Plus he's, he's dead. Oh. <laughs> I know. My cat is named after him. Is it, is it a Canadian cat? No. <laughs> uh, Josh, we next have a movie. We got a little bit more on him coming up. Uh, GIF of the week. I'm going to just give a short list here. Uh, Nate did the great uh, one from The Office where Michael drives his car into a lake. <laughs> I did see that one. Uh, Hermes did I'm on a boat. Uh, I'm on a motherfucking boat. Uh, it's a boat. Count. Not all boats are in the ocean. No, the, the thing was lake, though. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, but, no, but hang on. The, his boat doesn't have to be in the ocean. His but boat the, can be on a lake. boat is in the ocean. It can be a great lake. It's in the ocean. With his flippy floppies. Uh, Chris there Peterson. No dolphins and lakes. Chris Peterson, dog. Dr- yeah, because <laughs> accuracy is what they're after. Because <laughs> I have to remind you, he's claiming he sleeps with a mermaid. <laughs> That's a kind of. And sea pain's there. Like, come on, all, all bets are off. Chris Peterson, this cute picture of a dog driving a boat. <laughs> cool. And then Cheesy had Ron Swanson in a, in a canoe. But oh. my win, my win Ron, is going Ron to. Swanson. Accuracy be damned. Hermes gets the win because he's got his flippy floppies, which will check him on the flippy floppy. So there we go. Hermes with the win this week. Um, Nate says, I just watched Inglorious Bastards a few weeks ago on my way back from California. It gets better with every viewing, which is kind of a nice segue into where we're going. But we would be remiss if we didn't mention it was International Dog Day a couple days ago. So I might have thrown out Picture Pip. Yeah. The pop on the podcast. Pip's not here today. Our fifth member. He's not here. He's not. No. Well, I came straight from work and, well, McDonald's. I stopped at McDonald's first. But I didn't have time to pick him up. So. Do you know what? I generally came in and thought to go, occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with, 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 with all the cameras and stuff today, it's good that with he's not the, around. Yeah, and the chicken wings. It just yeah, the chicken gone, wings. It wouldn't have gone well. I got yeah. a lot of chicken wings ready for me. He, so. would, he would go sniffing in yeah. there. <laughs> so, um, Dwayne says, Pip's always on hand to give a well-thought-out comment, always perfectly timed. Too. He is. You're right. And I just want to give a little ce- a celebration. Congratulations. Uh, our good friends over at Spy Hard. Spy Hard started around mm-hmm. the same time we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're one of a couple of podcasts that started around that just before lockdown happened. 
And they they also they're very similar to us. They've, they've launched a Patreon around the same time we did. Uh, there's a pretty successful, so it's going. It's a, it's similar journeys, and they run our most recent uh, Cinematic Council podcasts. Agent Scott's getting married in Vegas, yeah. so you can't. There's not a new episode, but if you've never heard of these guys and you like spy movies, go check them out. Ethan and I went and did a thing on Spy Hards back in the day. <laughs> yeah, we did. all the movies. They invited us on to do one of our dinosaurs is missing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a terrible film. That sounds that like sounds so much it. fun. What was the guy's oh. name who was the lead? He was also in Blackbeard's Ghost. Oh, Ustinov. Um, Ustinov. Yeah. Oh, Pete Ustinov. I can't remember who, what his name was. I uh, went to a colleague at work like two days ago. Couldn't come up with it anywhere. Turn a mic on. Got it. What a shockingly problematic movie. I like Blackbeard's Ghost. Indeed. And I'll <laughs> tell you what was less problematic, I think, and that was Inglorious Bastards. Hey. Um, anybody f- first watch? Yeah. No, that's my second. George's first watch. First. I remember bits. Ethan, was it your first watch? Or you seen this before? I, no, I've seen. I don't know how many times I've seen yeah, that's this. True. Uh, directed by Quentin. We're gonna call him Quentin, everybody. Quentin, not Quentin. Quentin. Not Quentin. Quentin Tarantino, of course, who did Django Unchained, which we've already watched uh-huh. and reviewed with Julene. Yeah. So right. Yeah. Uh, also did, of course, other things: Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill. Yeah, which um, we haven't covered yet. What's that? Mm-hmm. Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I wanted the Reservoir Dogs first. Yeah, but if someone pick, I mean, if someone picks it, they pick it. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, I thought that had been early on in our, you know, it's one of those ones. It's just ca- there's a few big ones that we haven't done yet. I'm yeah. quite grateful for that. Not just like the Schindler's List, which will depress you, but a couple that are still <laughs> like you can get excited about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd uh, rather do something like Jackie Brown before Pulp Fiction. Like the the less. It's hard to say like less known Tarantino films, but like the more pushed to the side ones. I didn't like that. Hateful Eight. Oh, yep. yeah. Oh, Lots of good stuff. I love Hateful Eight. It's the same guy who's in this. Is that right? The uh, teeth man. The what? No, the teeth guy. The guy. The he, dentist. The dentist. We'll talk about that in a minute. Cause I, I, in I'm not sure that? she's clued in yet. Oh. So we'll keep going. Uh, <laughs> we think they're running theme. Yeah. Uh, written by Quentin Tarantino, of course. Cinematography by Robert Richardson. This guy's done Platoon, Wall Street, Eight Men Out, wow. Born on the Fourth of July, wow. JFK, Casino, Wag the Dog, Both Kill Bills, <laughs> Shutter Island, Django, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All those are great. <laughs> Until Wag the Dog. I love Wag the Dog. Are you confused with a different film? I've never seen it. Oh, Wag the Dog's great. You just... Okay, just name all them films again and listen to when you say Wag the Dog. It's because you don't know Wag the Dog, so it sticks out. I, I love Wag the Dog, so oh, it doesn't okay. stick out for me. Oh, okay. Wag the Dog's this great political... The president's got like really, really bad numbers. So they create a fictitious war, and it shows you how easily... Like before, maybe you had cell phone cameras. Oh, okay. How you could like fake a war by putting them in like a green screen room and just shooting stuff and making people believe that it's real. Okay, and wait, none of it actually ever happens. That is not what I thought you were going to say. When you said wag the dog, I expected this little puppy of a dog. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. The question is, is like a puppet. Is the dog thing. wagging the tail or is the tail wag the dog? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what they're doing. They have a tail wagging the dog. Yeah, it makes sense. So it's great. It's it's De Niro. It's Hoffman. Wow, it's Woody Harrelson. Wow. It's Willie Nelson. It's Dennis what? Leary. Oh, it's oh, great. I love Dennis Leary. Yeah. Hang oh. on. Yeah, yeah. Hoffman's amazing in it. He's always amazing. We, have, we done anything, have we done anything with Hoffman in it? We haven't done Rain Man. No. We haven't done Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah, he he was in... Um, 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 we haven't um, done Outbreak. No, that... that almost Famous. That's an Hoffman. That's Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's who I mean. How are you mixing up those guys? <laughs> Big, fat, blonde guy. Little... Oh, yeah, Dustin Hoffman, yeah. Rain Man. 
Yeah, yeah. I know. I know now. But I <laughs> Seymour Hoffman What do you think? He found some donuts and he left them alone for 10 years. <laughs> Mr. Megorium from Mr. Megorium's yeah. Wonder Emporium. I like that Wonder Emporium movie. Here we go. Um, so, and then music by question marks. We'll talk about that. So, oh. um, you know, this is kind of a slightly fictitious retelling of... Uh, slightly. Of World War II. And I want to talk about that when we get to it. He does that quite a bit, though. Uh, this was the first yeah. time I think he did it. Yeah. Context Corner. Tarantino spent over a decade creating the film script because, as he told Charlie Rose in an interview, he became a little bit too precious about the page, meaning the story kept growing and expanding. He described an early premise of the film as his, quote, bunch of guys on a mission film. Uh, by 2002, he found Glorious Bastards to be a bigger film than planned. And saw that other directors working on World War II films, and it kind of threw him for a bit. I think he was like, oh, it's, uh, do you know shoot, what, people are doing this now. Do you know what I think his inspiration was? The Dirty Dozen. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. A motley crew of rabble guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what, a bunch of guys on a, on, on a mission. It's not, yeah, it's not yeah, alone yeah. in that. Uh, Tarantino produced almost three full scripts. Wow. Proclaiming it was some of the best writing ever done, but couldn't come up with an ending. <laughs> then he chose one. Uh, so then he decided to put that in, in a box, and I'm going to go do both parts of Kill Bill. And he does that. Then when he comes back, he went back to his first storyline and thought, maybe it's a miniseries. And then he's like, no, nah, it's a movie. I'm going to trim it. And he got Pulp Fiction out, and he kind of put them side by side and went, by this point, I'm here. So by this point, I need to be here. And they're both very episodic, so it works in that yeah. regard, doesn't it? It is, yeah. And so it focused on a group of soldiers who escape from their executions and embark on a mission to help the Allies. He described the men as not your normal war hero types that are thrown into a big deal in the Second World War. And he wanted to produce it in 2005. But then he delayed it further, and he went and made Death Proof and all that sort of stuff. So this became like the film that he was just like, just couldn't. He it wasn't development hell because the studio held him up. He just couldn't figure out like what to do with it because obviously he felt very strongly about it and wanted yep. it to be good. Uh, in 2008, Tarantino and executive producers Harvey and Bob Weinstein, we will talk a little bit more about Harvey Weinstein oh. as we go on, set up an accelerated production schedule because they wanted it to be released at the Cannes Film Festival in 2009 so he could compete for the big prize there, the Palme d'Or. Uh, they actually shot on location in Germany and France, and they started shooting October 2008 on location in in germany and then the only real thing before i have for context is the reason for the spelling and really it's more just a quentin tarantino decision he sort of says it's a tarantino spelling he referred to it it's, yeah it was really annoying when i was putting the stuff out like for the like putting oh, the, the english out, teacher and me just twitches <laughs> oh, i reckon oh, he so autocorrect kept wanting to like i was like no i have it. a bigger oh, issue with bat with inglorious than bastards i reckon that he wrote it wrongly and wouldn't admit it and just went this is just a me thing i don't think so yeah, I always thought it was like a <laughs> that's what Noel gallagher does on all of his song lyrics <laughs> sorry Ethan, i, I just cut assumed you. it was like a censorship thing so like you could display the name and it not be like because obviously usually i guess cinemas wouldn't want you to have a swear in your title when they're promoting it because obviously kids will go see films too so it's weird though. i always assumed it was that yeah, you think some kid is wandering into inglorious bastards because no, the no, title like, was spelt incorrectly it's weird no no, though. no 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 they go to the cinema and they see all the films like the posters, on the show, like the posters and it's like oh paul patrol or whatever so it doesn't count as a swear word if you spell it wrong to get was, past yeah. like the the uh was not esrb that's video games the, the rating people are the mpaa yeah it's weird though there are, there's some dvds out there with the actual spelling of it and there's some out there with no spelling on it it just says inglorious b blah 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 blah, blah. Well, like stars yeah oh okay yeah, i know yeah, even yeah. by spelling i was like yeah it's just it just makes you yeah. know 
Just like reissue. Actually, another little known fact. Uh, it kind of shows up on the Netflix one. I was talking to George about it. We were yeah. watching the movie. Um, it was that um, the the logo for the movie, um, the O in Inglorious, mm-hmm. has the Nazi Fast symbol o, yeah. in it, the swastika, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in Germany, you can't have the swastika. Oh, yeah. So they just make it like uh, a bullet hole. Instead, oh, okay. now on Netflix, I guess to stop them from having to program it in for for Germany, they just make everybody the German version. Oh, okay. Huh. So if you look at the DVD case and you look at the logo on Netflix, not the same logo. I have a question. Yes. If they're not allowed to show any like Nazi symbolism in Germany, then surely they can't even show the film. I think it's the idea that if you buy a ticket, you know what you're getting into. Right. But if you watch a poster on the it street, that's just like a casual use of a Nazi symbol. So it can't be like out in public, but it right. can be shown in a film. Exactly, because right. they'll have to submit the film for um, regulation. Like, what rating does this get? Right. Okay. It'd be interesting to know how well it performed in Germany, wouldn't it? Yeah, I don't have that information. It's an interesting idea. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. All around the world, you can imagine it being quite... quite Kevin Smith tells this great story about going to Germany, and the, and like the t- taxi cab's like, where, where, where do you want to go? And he's like, concentration camps. <laughs> want to see the concentration camps. And if you're in Germany, like, you're like, Ugh, okay. Uh, yeah. He's like, but we have great museums, and we have, uh, you know, sporting events, and we have architecture. He's like, no, no, just the greatest atrocity mankind's ever done, please. Yeah. And, uh, that's what you got to wear every day. That's so sad, you can't it? argue... Like, thank God it happened in the 40s and not in a modern day where everything's spin. Yeah. But, like, you got you got to wear that all the time. I think Germans have done a really good job of going, it was wrong, we're outlawing it, and we're moving on. Where yeah. do you should say that? You should wear it all the time. Because he does with the, the old knife, doesn't he? He does that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know, you, you, like, you would never hear someone go ahead. Like, you never see anybody, like, throw anything like that into a German's. Nor should you. No, like I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm a modern day German. You wouldn't go. Well, you're a great great grandfather. We we wouldn't do that. I have a friend who uh, was born in Germany. He lives over here now, and uh, she was telling me that nothing is talked about, nothing is celebrated, nothing is. You know, there are extremists still who follow that. But that's a, a very small minority. I watched a great series called Deutschland 83, where the lead character looks a lot like the boy who plays the actor of the film within the film. Mm-hmm. Oh, Daniel Bruhl. And um Was he the guy out of Rush? Yes. Yes. He was, wasn't he? He's also the guy of some other things. We'll talk about it when we get to him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um But anyway, and it's about East Germany versus West Germany during during the Cold War. And yeah. it says that even then, like there are no East Germans, there are no West Germans, we just have Germans now. Because yeah. no one even looks back at the eighties. Wow. Because it's just gonna open a whole bunch of problems. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, So yeah. we just move on from 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 the reunification, that's the start point. Really is interesting. One, is that the one about football? Deutschland eighty three? No. Oh, what's the one? There's one about football that sounds that's got a very similar name. Don't know. Don't know. Deutschland eighty three is about like at the height of the Cold War, an East German spy goes and spies in the West. Oh, okay. So we're putting the shoes of the East German, which we never do, right? We always put ourselves in the in the shoes of I think it was of, ge- of the Western forces. I think it was a German language one because we watched it in German yeah. lesson, but I can't remember. Um, there is a film I'd love to watch called Escape to Victory, <laughs> where Sylvester Stallone plays a footballer. Oh, okay. I'm gonna <laughs> I know, right? We start off a deep dive. Universal Pictures, the Weinstein Company. And if you're Quentin Tarantino, jeez. Like, all of his films are, are like latched to this guy. Yeah, you like, must be really, All yeah. of his films. Yeah, yeah. Um, Georgia was uh, frustrated by the many different fonts that showed up. Yeah, there was like one. I was like, okay, cool. And then it like cut really. It was like quite a nice fancy film font. It made sense. And then it cut to like Times New Roman and then went went into what you said was like his iconic font i was like well yeah so if why you go to like not- pop fiction there's that one font he always uses why is it not all mm. in that font then why I don't does know. it switch between because he's quentin tarantino 
a good font, a shit font, and then his oh, font. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm not gonna, I'm not, that, that won't factor into my ranking. I'll say that much. I'm, not, I'm, leaving the, I'm, I'm leaving the credits alone. But it's interesting. A note on the music. Credit to you. It though. doesn't actually have a composer. Uh, he originally wanted Ennio Morricone to compose the film's soundtrack. Cool. Um, that didn't happen because he was uh, busy. I believe Morricone does The Hateful Eight later yeah, on he does the hateful eight he also that. did Django. yeah yeah yeah, yeah he's Django as well yeah, 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 yeah. And, and they're both like uh, the hateful eight's fantastic as oh, is, is as is Django. yeah for mm. for soundtracks um but because of so they end up just using a bunch of his uh tracks anyway so oh, the, he, he just used eight of his tracks from other things yeah, yeah, yeah. and it worked i was gonna Music i was gonna say yeah. like the inglorious bastards theme i remember i had that like on itunes and i i thought it said Ennio morricone yeah it does. It's just something that they've just reappropriated. It's, wow. a good, it's a good piece, though. I can't lie. I'd uh, use it. According to Brad Pitt, the film was shot in sequence. Oh. I'm glad about that. I, I, liked, I like it when that happens, because very... the actors are aware of the journey their characters have yeah, been on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. very... It's not... It's not... It don't happen all the time, does it? Oh, it's the exception, not the rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a note on the editing, the first... Sorry, the final cut of the final, finger quotes... Uh, the one that played at the Palm Door, let's put it that way, at, at Cannes, went three hours and ten minutes. Wow. Before its first public showing, Quentin Tarantino and Sally Menke got into an editing room and cut it down to two and a half hours in two days. That's huh. impressive. So we start 19... interesting to know what, what we missed out on. Yeah, I, I think it's a pretty full story. I'd be curious. Yeah. Uh, I know there's a character who had a lot cut off, and we'll talk about him in a bit. We start off 1941. We meet Perrier Lapidite. Played by Denis Menochet, uh, the milk farmer. I thought he was great. He was great. The milk oh, farmer yeah. is so at doing nothing. Yeah, at doing nothing. I was very just distracted, distracted by the CGI cows, though. So yeah, you were very quick to say those were CGI cows. They looked very CGI. I mean, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but nope. they look CGI cows. So Did, someone spent was, ages was, with a mechanical cow, and was, now you're calling was CGI. there was was their, was their was, was there movement was suspicious. <laughs> Was there a donkey beside him as they were trying to get back a swamp? <laughs> um, uh, don't have a cow, man. You know who That's turned this down? For later. Who would have been really good in this? Uh, George won't have a clue who I'm talking about. Ethan might. You will. Jean Reno. Oh, he'd have been good in this. He would have been brilliant. To be fair, it's the same face, just 10 yeah. years older. Yeah. Uh, Jean Reno would have been great in this. He's very stoic, isn't he? Uh, Jean Reno was in Mission Impossible. He we was, watched that all the way back was. in the day. He was flying the helicopter. And Leon. I hope we do that one day. Leon the professional. Yeah. It's a name I recognize, but... Love Jean Reno. He just pops oh, up in things. He's great. Yeah. Um, he's a farmer. He's chopping some wood. The Nazis approach. And you know something's going on because he says to his daughters, go inside. And he goes, don't run. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh. And there's this great shot of the axe and the house is in the background. I'm like, oh, cinematography's great in this. I would like to point mm. out, though, if you're trying to actually chop wood, don't chop a normal-sized axe into a massive tree stump right in the middle. You'll get nothing. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think he's going to, uh, He's using it as a... As Isn't that a, a balance using, for it, other wood? He's yeah. using it as an axe stump, but like we, the first shot we see of him is going at it over and over and over again with the, with, like in the middle of the stump. And he's I'm like, showing off to the Nazis who are driving yeah, up. Yeah, 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 you see that? I'm head's gonna be he's on showing there. off that he doesn't, doesn't know how to use I watched Game of Thrones. (laughs) All right. Don't lose your head, guys. Then we meet, uh, I'm trying to get this this title right, Standartenfuhrer Hans Landa, played by Christoph Waltz. Georgia, did you recognize Christoph Waltz? Brilliant. Kind of, but I I know the name, and I know I should know who he is, but I don't know who he is. He's the dentist in Django. The one with the one The one who who frees Jamie Foxx, and like, he can't, he's got a big beard. 
he, he wants I to picture him. He wants to buy the he, Black Fighters so he can start up his fighting league, but it's all he's, undercover. He's not really. He's going to like help free everybody. He basically does these same characters, doesn't he? He tends to do like this laughy, jokey guy in bad situations. The sheriff comes, he shoots the sheriff and says, now you can go get the marshal. And then he explains that the guy was wanted in like three different countries. Yeah. The guy Do who does the shooting. Yeah, no, I, th- no, I know who he is. I just can't, I can't he, picture it. He's also Blofeld, I think Ethan's yeah. trying to say, Inspector. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, he is. He's the guy who... In, what, the evil guy? He's the guy in the yeah. last Bond movie who and like dies the inside the chair. The one who in the, with the, does the bit with the train and he runs up the ladder. Is that him? No, you're thinking uh, that's Skyfall. Oh. You're thinking of oh, what's his name from No Country? Oh, Another uh, film we got Javier Bardem. Yeah, you think Javier Bardem? Oh, okay. That's the guy. Yeah. But yeah, but no, he's been around. He's what also because he I know his name. He's he's in Muppets Most Wanted. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> the Wolves of Yeah, he's <laughs> despite it's not it's not the actor's fault. They hated their best. It's just he's, a bad story. He's so articulate though, isn't he? Uh, he's also known as the Jew Hunter. Uh, originally, Tarantino wanted Leo DiCaprio. Ooh. Now oh. this was before Django. So Leo would get his chance to play the supervillain for Tarantino later on. Um, eventually, to play, though. eventually he said, though, I wanted a native German speaking actor. And there's a lot of authenticity mm. in the uh, actors in this movie. Especially because there's plot points that involve Americans pretending to be Germans. Like it makes sense that you actually. Well, te- Americans are to be Italians and Brits pretending to be. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But like it makes sense then. <laughs> that Canadians actual... pretending to be Brits. Well, I haven't looked at the cast, oh, yeah. right? But is that Michael Fassbender, where his name is? We'll, we'll get to the, the cast, but I'm going to nod. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, the role <laughs> eventually went to Christoph Waltz, who's Austrian, who, according to Tarantino, quote, gave me my movie because he was afraid at that part, the part was unplayable. And if you can't cast him, you can't make this movie. Nah, he's a, mm. he's a strong character. Um, he's very, he's the most, com- he's one of the most complicated characters, I think, in film I've seen. Very complicated. Uh, he speaks the most languages in the film. Uh, four, he speaks English, French, German, and Italian during the film. His Italian isn't fluent. You could have fooled me. Yeah, I'm me. Uh, but he, he dubbed his own performance in the German version. And in case you're worried about his actual feelings on the Jewish community, his son's a rabbi. <laughs> so there we go. I was worried. Lahayim. I don't know what Lahayim means. It's I know it's in it's that. Like s- a celebratory. I know it's term. in that song yeah. by uh, Lahayim. So um, it's also in that song from Fiddler on the Roof. Tradition. He wants a chat. He's offered wine, but says I'll have a glass of milk instead. And it's this, this idea of the innocence of milk mm. against the threat he possesses. He's, oh, it's so good. Did, oh. He asked for private chat. The girls leave and he's already setting up when he asks them to leave. It's all about bringing them back in finger quotes, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he wants a, uh, so then he says direct quote, to continue to speak French, right? I am right now. Uh, he's talking about speaking French. Just to continue to speak it so inadequately would be an embarrassment to me. If you can know the words inadequately and embarrassment in yeah. French, yeah, in you're French, okay. you're fluent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's this. It's this other level of you're such. Oh, you're you're slimy mm-hmm. because it's not the reason. Why are we? Okay, why are we switching? There's a reason for it. Why are we switching? And you know from get go, he's. That's great for me as the audience because I because I, I want to hear this in English. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. On first watch, I assumed it was just, oh, it makes it easier for the audience. That's what you think, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's just and a there's filmmaking technique where you went, go, oh, no. It's a justifiable reason to make the audience go, you don't have to read anymore. You're okay. <laughs> yeah. And the farmer tells us that um, Lanza, Landa, I keep calling him Lanza, Landa, is in charge of rounding up the Jews in France. Uh, but it's been done. It's a duplicate search. And he says, yes, but with any switch, there's bound to be some, you know, doubling up. So, you know, it'll be a formality. I'm sure we'll get done. And he's just getting this pen kit out and you're totally kind of going, okay. 
okay. He's just playing it straight. And they're searching for the Dreyfuses, and we get a family bio. And it's been about, I don't know, they've been in the room, and it's gotten really dark in the room mm-hmm. at this point. And then the camera pans down. And they've been sitting there doing this scene for, and then it pans down past this foot, and you get to the floorboards, and you see there's the Jewish people underneath the floorboards just looking up to the cracks. And like, oh, no. And it was good to sort of make me wait on it because he wanted to hear rumors. He says, what's the rumor? And they said they escaped. Now, he says you're going to hear, you learn a lot from rumors. Darn right you can. Because yeah. the rumors that they escaped, then what do you do? You stop looking. If the rumors I hear they're hit up in someone's house, you might go, Oh, they've escaped. Yeah, yeah. Because you wouldn't tell me the truth, would you? No, exactly. So um, they talk for a while about why he's so successful. He says, I love my nickname. I've earned it. And he says, I don't, you know, I'm an Austrian, so I can think like, like, like a Jew. Unlike the Germans who think like German soldiers. And they talk about rats and squirrels and how, you know, what reason do you have to hate a rat? Really more than a squirrel. And I'm like, well, squirrels don't tend to eat my garbage. No. Rats do. So that's a much, but that doesn't really fit in with Landa's MO. Um, and the then the threat is always there, isn't it? Ethan, I'm really curious if you pick this up. Mm-hmm. This whole scene, we've had, I believe, the farmer on the left mm-hmm. and Landa on the right. Mm-hmm. And then drastically, it just flips it. And it's mm. not a big pan, it just flips to 180. And you're not supposed to do that. It's called the 180 degree rule. You don't break that. Once you've established who's on the left, who's on the right, you don't change that because it disorients the viewers to where they are in the room. I always notice it in The Dark Knight. I don't think I noticed it in this, but it's that thing. Even if you don't know it subconsciously, everything's off. And so if if you don't acknowledge it. And so I verbalized, I went, oh, 180 degree rule. And then Georgia went, maybe maybe they're flipping something. And sure enough, this is when he sort of starts to let on. He knows what's going on. Yeah, of course. And I'm like, oh. And he says, I'm going to, said, you are harboring enemies of the state. And he just goes, yes. And so he points me where there are any points. He goes, okay. We're going to switch back to French now. And you're going to follow my masquerade. Do you know what I thought he was going to do? I thought he was going to tip the, the milk so it goes down the cracks. So they move? So they make a move, yeah. Nah, because if you get them all stay in one place, it's a lot easier to shoot somebody well, who's yeah, not I running away from that, you. But I'm thinking to myself, he's going to, do you know what I mean? To hear a, no- to hear a movement? Um, so he says, oh, come on back in, girls. And it's not the girls now, it's the soldiers. And he points where they're at and just opens fire on the floor. Um, one girl manages to escape through a window, and we get this great shot from inside a blackened room, and the only spit of light is this rectangle. And she runs into the frame. Now, Georgia instantly goes, why would you just keep running straight? Why wouldn't you beeline it into the trees to you the would, left? You would. But it's because it's a beautiful shot. We don't need the beautiful but shot. also, <laughs> why does he leave it to go? Pride. Hubris. Because hmm. he can. Now, they got Jeeps. Like, you, 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 could, you, could, you could catch her. You could easily catch her, yeah. yeah. But he just decides to let her go for whatever reason. Because torturing someone having just what, killed their entire family is much worse than killing yeah. them. It's um, like putting someone in their place thing, I guess. And also because he, like, he he says her name as well. Like, he, he identifies her as Au revoir, Shoshana. Yeah. yeah. So it's that thing of, you can't go any. We know what you look like. We know your name. Well, clearly not. And we don't get the reveal of that pan until we learn their names ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was very well structured. Off she leaves, and that's the first scene. And it's one of the best first scenes, I think, in cinema. Oh, yeah. I, I, might, I don't know. What was your thoughts on... It's, it's probably more of a character-building scene for, for Hans Landa. Yeah. I think Paddington just, had a just, better opening scene. <laughs> just sounds like a Star Wars character. I'm not going to lie. Hans Landa? Yeah. Hans Landa. Hans. 
Hans and Lando. Hans Lando, yeah. Hans Lando, Hans Lando. Calrissian. Hans. <laughs> Jeez. I think it's probably one of the most well every like well executed villain he's, introduction. He's not a mustache twirling villain. He's yeah. not it's, very, it's not Darth Vader for your Star Wars reference. There's no big Imperial March he comes in. It's not down. No, because he's so menacing in his in his kindness. Yeah, he is. You knew the facade. Off. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um just some notes on Shoshana Dreyfus played by Melanie Laurent. Uh she's playing uh she's playing what was she I thought she was eighteen at that point? 18 or 19. 18 or 19, yeah. Uh, Tarantino met Laurent in three rounds, reading all the characters in the first round. On the second meeting, he shared lines with her, and the third was a face-to-face dinner. During this dinner, he told Laurent, do you know something? There's just something I don't like. It's that you're famous in your country, and I'm really wanting to discover someone. Laurent went, oh, no, 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 I'm not famous. (laughs) (laughs) After four days, he called and said, yeah, you got the role. Uh, originally the role of Shoshana was going to be much more like uh, the bride in Kill Bill where she was going to be more responsible for more deadly uh, taken out of individual Nazis like imagine her like sort of up there in her movie cinema with like a little rifle and just pinging them off over time yeah and oh, they I went this one well they kind of used all that stuff in Kill Bill so they kind of went all right it's got to be something Bill. different um I don't, know, I don't know if you're missing a whole lot that image yeah. of her laughing is so wonderful yeah i i I, we'll right. I was invited yeah. to go on a pod so i watched kill bill yeah, yeah, yeah twice yeah. and the day after they got a hold of me and said something's come up i was like all right and we still haven't done it and i thought it was gonna be like two weeks later but not yet so i've seen it it's, well, it's I, all right i like quentin's movies. i like quentin this is i like his movies but i don't that's quentin's, never appealed to me quentin's dialogue is his strength i don't know how a whole bunch of sword fights is supposed to change that yeah um so originally she was going to be like a Jewish Joan of Arc. That was switched, like we said. Mm-hmm. Uh, the role of Shoshana Dreyfus's father, a man called Jacob, we see him ever so briefly, but beneath the floorboards, was played by Patrick Elias. Patrick Elias's father, Buddy, was a first cousin of Anne Frank. Wow, wow. That's, cool. that's kind of cool, isn't it? That's a nice bit of depth, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Tarantino says the opening scene is his favorite thing he's ever written. Oh, really? Oh, it's so good. It's so good. No, he thinks that. Yeah. Yeah. About his own work. I'm very critical of my work. (laughs) Well, something of your work's got to be your favorite. Yeah, it's the things I I felt the hardest I felt I worked for. (laughs) Reverend Bruce messaged me last night, and he said that he just listened to uh, The Untouchables, which is like a major podcast. Mm -hmm. Sorry, The Untouchables, The Rewatchables. A major podcast uh, hosted by Bill Simmons, like a guy who's got like a media empire in the States. And he said, ours is better. Ooh. I was like, yeah, I, I really do like the uh, the rom-com in the middle of it we established <laughs> with the meet you. He just said, he said, you and Georgia were so funny in that episode. I was like, oh, thanks a lot. So, Which episode was that, sorry? The town. The town. <laughs> Not seen it. Still. <laughs> All right, you were here for that, yeah. I went here. <laughs> It's like a bank robber, but like afterwards, there's like this meat cute between them and like like a laundromat. But it's like it'd be really cute and funny if it wasn't for like the real life trauma because she had like a gun held to her head in this bank robbery. <laughs> but it's like Ben Affleck went out to rob a bank, but she's the one who stole his heart. <laughs> the name went Bonnie, was it? <laughs> no. Um, so uh, in Quent, oh, so then we meet the bastards because then we get from that, and it's uh, Aldo Rain, aka the Apache, played by Brad Pitt, and he's walking up and down the village square talking to the bastards, and Pitt and Tarantino. This is Brad Pitt. Uh, Georgia, do you recognize this as Brad Pitt? Yes. What else have we seen Brad Pitt in? I don't know, but oh, I know really? that that was Brad Pitt. 
He's the guy who you didn't think looked cool in uh, Fight Club. He doesn't look cool. He looks ugly as hell in Fight Club. He's uh, he's the guy who's always eating something in Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. I don't think I saw Ocean's Eleven. Oh, really? Ocean's Eleven is great. It is a good movie. Yeah, yeah. Even though it's a remake. Uh, yeah. He's he's um the superhero guy in Megamind. <laughs> That's going to help. I feel George would know That's going to help with face blindness. <laughs> An animated I'm just picture. I'm trying to think of something she'd know. Uh, Brad Pitt. I'm trying to think what else. Georgia uh, would have seen interview. Oh, he, she wouldn't have seen exactly that. interview with Empire. No, yeah. not once upon that's a time in Hollywood. Was no, my only that's too early. Uh, oh, what's that? Um, Meet Joe Black. She's not going to see that. It's not. A, it's not a bad film. It's not a good film. Legends no, of the Fall. I really like Legends of the yeah, Fall. That's a long that. movie. That is a long movie. I love it though. Was it World War Z? Oh, World War no, Z. I'm, good shout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thelma and Louise. Yeah, I'm just saying movies now. Yeah. Uh, Oh, he's just in that bullet train which has come out. Yeah, he is. Oh, it? yeah. yeah. I've, I've, is that the one where they fight on the train or like, like overnight or whatever? Okay. Like, or trying to kill people. I went, it is, yeah. yeah I, I went, to, cin- I went to cinema to see it, right? But do you know what I did? Fell asleep. Fell asleep. Yep. Do you know what I watched? 20 minutes oh. of it. Oh, really? <laughs> That's in the last he's, 20 minutes. Uh, he's in Snatch. He yeah, George wants to see that. No. Oh, Although at some point we will do that. All right, moving on. Yeah. So Pitt and Tarantino wanted to work together for a number of years, but they were... <laughs> oh, Pitt and Tarantino. Yeah. But they were waiting for the right project. <laughs> when Tarantino was halfway through the script, he sensed that Brad Pitt was a strong possibility. By the time he finished writing, he's like, Pitt's the guy for this. Call Pitt's agent to see if he was available. He is. In the Tarantino universe, the character of Aldo Rain is also Floyd's great-grandfather from... Uh, um, true Romance. I've never seen True Romance. Oh. I put that in there for anyone who's seen it. Both characters are played by Brad Pitt. Oh. There you go. Yeah, nice. uh, Brad Pitt can actually speak German in real life. That's a cool time. Having learned and the language, visiting Germany multiple times out of interest in German is German ancestry. Ironically, Aldo Ray never speaks German in the film. That is so good. <laughs> the only film Brad Pitt ever made is a leading actor for the Weinstein Company or its previous iteration, Miramax. And this is because he wanted to work with Quentin, but hates Harvey Weinstein. Because Pitt physically threatened Weinstein in the 90s, learning that after learning that Weinstein had unwanted sexual harassment of his then-girlfriend, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh. Good, old, good old breath. Yep. So he tells the boys, if you're with me, we're going to do one thing and only one thing. We're going to kill us some Weinsteins. Kill <laughs> <laughs> Killing Nazis. And I love the way he says Nazis. Nazis. I don't like his voice in this. Oh, it's so no, perfectly it's, Oh, it's perfect. It's great. I did struggle to understand him a couple of times, so I think that's the only downfall of it. Is it's The accent's great, but there was a few times I, could, I didn't know what he'd said. I did find it funny when he was trying to be Italian. <laughs> and he's Why doing and he's doing the voice. Well, get to that. Um, <laughs> this is like a, it's like an American World War II wet dream. Like, everything is so, like... Hypercart, like, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know, but like, all the Americans are so like heavily Hollywood inspired and overpronunciated, and the Nazis are all just guys. Um, he goes, every one of you men owe me a hundred Nazi scalps, and I will get my Nazi scalps. Yeah, loved it. A smash cut to Hitler. I totally forgot Hitler was in this. So did I. Outside of the the one scene yeah, where he yeah, had to be there. Yeah, yeah. And Hitler does some exposition on on the bear Jew. (laughs) And if you look really carefully in the background, one of the bastards is actually the one painting Hitler in the background. 
That's cool. Now, it's not in character as one of the bastards, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's just this character who they chopped almost all of his lines. His name is Sam Levine. PFC Hirschberg was his character name, but his actor's name is Sam Levine, and uh, he's there with like a this, this wig and mustache painting Hitler, and he was cast uh, in the film to begin with because Tarantino's a big fan of Freaks and Geeks, and if you've never seen Freaks and Geeks, you should. It's fantastic. Never seen it. He was one of the geeks, not one of the freaks. <laughs> Uh, insert a random private who tells Hitler about the uh, bastards via the flashback. And this is where the bastards basically are trying to find out where the snipers are in this forest. And they get this big general kind of guy down and the general refuses to give them uh, the information. My favorite line in the film. <laughs> and there's scalping going on, at which point George was like, oh, I don't like. No watching, no watching. Like what was your favorite line in the film? <laughs> Said something about there's a German here who wants to die from his, from his oh. country. <laughs> Come help him out. I do have that here, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think I have it here. Yeah. Um, so first, let's talk about Hugo Stiglitz, played by Till Schweiger. Stiglitz is brilliant. Uh, Stiglitz uh, refused to put on a Nazi uniform for any film role. Um, largely because he was born and raised in Germany and he has a very real hatred of everything Nazi-related. I think this ties into the conversation we are having at the start. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Schweisker was told, yeah, but you get to brutally kill a Nazi in every scene you wear of a uniform, he's like, yeah, okay, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a voiceover explaining everything that's going on. I said, Georgie, do you recognize this voiceover? You went, nope. nope. Liam, what? do you know who it was? Uh, I weren't listening for it. I just, I don't know. It- Come on, there's no it- way. Ethan, help me out. It's Sam Jackson. It's Samuel L. Jackson. Jackson. Okay. You know, one of those, like, voices you mix up with other people all the time. It's one of those things that I I probably thought going, oh, that voice sounds familiar, but I'm not, because I'm too busy reading. I don't know what I'm doing. Read it when he's doing the voiceover because he's telling you. That's what a voiceover does. I know, but I'm struggling with this. It wasn't like it was Samuel Jackson doing German, although there's a movie I want to see. Samuel (laughs) Jackson doing a German voiceover, which you then have to read. And it's all full of swear words. If it had said motherfucker, (laughs) I would have known that one. In German. Um, (laughs) We find out that Stiglitz killed 13 Gestapo members and was then rescued by the bastards. I believe their exact quote was, we're a big fan of your work. Uh, But as far as we're concerned, you're amateur. Want to know if you want to go pro? <laughs> um, hell yeah. uh, so there's this guy. Oh, I don't have it down. He goes, uh, oh, no, hang on. Um, whoops. <laughs> he goes, but we're back to the, the big general. And he goes, point on this map where the sharpshooters are. <laughs> and he goes, you are not, you really can't expect me to, to do anything that would endanger German lives. You go, that's exactly what I'm expecting you to do. <laughs> <laughs> and then we start hearing this smashing. This like hollow bang, bang, yeah. bang. And we meet Sergeant Donnie Donowitz, played by Eli Roth, who I, George and I are both like, how do we know this person? And I can't figure out for life me how I know this person. I don't know either. He's got a small same. part in Rock of Ages, but that's it. I haven't seen it. He's, he's mainly like a direct, it's weird. He's just got like a, a very familiar face. He just does like a lot of directing, but specifically like- horror stuff from what I can tell. Lots of horror and gore. Yeah, he did, uh, it was like the Green Death or something. I well, think that'll explain his bat. Ready for first choice for this? Go on. Samuel L. Jackson. No. <laughs> no. I'm trying, oh, to, I'm trying, oh. to, I'm trying to think of, of a catchphrase. Is there, is, there, is there a proper baseball player? No, it's someone who did a funny but very moving video about Chris Farley. No. 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 Adam, Adam Sandler. Sandler. First yeah. pick, but he was doing funny people. Oh. So he couldn't get him. So Eli How Roth cool was cast instead. 
Yep. I would have loved that. Yeah, me too. Um, Roth channeled Tony Curtis for his portrayal. <laughs> Tony Curtis, who was the... Uh, in uh, Some Like It Hot. Some Like It Hot. He's the one who who gets the girl in the end. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gets married. Yeah. Uh, the one who's like, yeah, she, she wore glasses too. Like, <laughs> like, must be a different Tony Curtis film. <laughs> yeah, some inspiration from. Um, Donnie's character is the father of Tarantino-created film producer Lee Donowitz, who's also in True Romance. Oh, so there we okay. I've seen True Romance. It's not bad movie. Yeah, he did the screenwriting, but he didn't do the directing. But he used the money from True Romance to get Reservoir Dogs made. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. One of the Jewish names carved on the bear Jew's bat is Anne Frank. Mm. So there you go. When asked how he got into the violent baseball bat-wielding mindset of the bear Jew, Eli Roth partially attributed his performance to the historically accurate costumes. Direct quote, being in wool underwear. Uh, oh, I've just lost my spot. Being in wool underwear will make you want to kill anything. He also added in a separate interview, but his girlfriend had added some Hannah Montana music onto his iPod. When he listened to it, it inexplicably made him able to tap into the violent nature of the bear shoe. <laughs> Good old Molly. That's wonderful. You got the best of both worlds. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll tell you his, what. That was his wrecking ball. <laughs> it's like they went to him, what's my character motivation? You're in a Ben Affleck movie because he sounds like he's in the town. Oh, again, I'm not saying it. it was all Boston. Yeah, it was all. Oh, oh, we're going to rob Fenway Park. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, this your best work yet, sir. That, that was a terrible. <laughs> I know. Uh, he channels Ted Williams, who's a classic Red Sox player. Shout out to Reverend Bruce. Uh, so he like he just tees off on the general's head. Oh, tees off like on proper. It. Jeez. Uh, the private then gets called over and the private's like show us on them and he just points like the, <laughs> he's not even finished he's like good oh before he gets killed the the, the general he went hey donnie we got a we had a nazi who wants to die for his country <laughs> recommend we help him out or something like that um and so he goes and then hitler's going well why would they have let you go oh he goes did you tell him he goes no i didn't tell him he goes, well, then why would they let you go? And then we cut to Brad Pitt going, now he's going to ask you why we let you go. It's <laughs> <laughs> to spread the word, word about the bastards wherever you go. Smash cut to Hitler. You will not tell anyone about this. <laughs> and then we find out that they carved the uh, swastika. swastika in his forehead because you get to go home and take your uniform off one day. And no one's ever going to know then who you were. So you we're going to make live, you do but this. You live with this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so we have a shot from his perspective looking up at Donnie and Aldo, which is pretty much the briefcase, not briefcase, the, the car trunk shot mm-hmm. from every other Tarantino movie where you put someone in the boot. That <laughs> um, was missing from this. No one went in a boot. Yeah. <laughs> they were in the back of a van. Not, not as many cars. No. They were in combat boots. <laughs> Chapter three. <laughs> Chapter three, four years later, and we re-meet Shoshana, now going by the name Emmanuel in Paris. Uh, Melanie Laurent worked as a film projectionist for a few weeks at the New Beverly Cinema to get herself ready for the role, That's cool. mainly projecting cartoons and trailers before shows, but the real test was when she had to screen Reservoir Dogs. Ah, <laughs> brilliant. And she stopped by a young man, Frederick Zoller, played by Daniel Bruhl. Daniel Bruhl, of course, is Zemo in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. If you've seen Civil War, he's mm-hmm. the guy who gets them all to fight each other and tries to kill himself up at the end of the movie. And uh, what's his name? Um, oh, um, Black Panther. Black Panther Is stops the bullet. Long hair? No. No, you're thinking of Bucky. I think you're thinking of Bucky. Yeah. 
They look the same. Daniel Bruhl's the guy who whispers the words into his head. So he changes. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah, was I'm a big, there. there was a big meme of him dancing when Falcon and Winter yeah. Soldier came out. Yeah, I'm yeah there. there we are. So I, I, I was totally the German sh- version of Lightning McQueen. Oh, see, yeah. I was really surprised to see him in this because I didn't know that I that I knew him already. This was my first introduction because I saw this. Well, like, it was I mine, think, but then I forgot I was introduced to him. Yeah, so it's like, oh, we've I met. This I must have seen this a couple months before I saw Civil War. So I sat down and I'm like, oh my, is that guy? Yeah. Uh, he admitted after the film was released, he wasn't particularly fluent in French. And when Quentin Tarantino asked him to speak some lines in French to hear what it sounded like, he would bluff by mixing French with Spanish, betting that Quentin Tarantino wouldn't notice. <laughs> when Brol received a translated version of the script, he was unable to perfect his French delivery. So there we go. Nice. Uh, Zolerth and thanks uh, Emmanuel for hosting a German night. They introduce each other and he says his name and he pauses like he's expecting her to, uh, so, to go, oh, oh, I know you. Yeah. And, and of course, she doesn't. Um, the next day, they meet in a cafe, and she rejects him pretty matter-of-factly until this older soldier goes nuts upon meeting him. And this is the one part in the movie where, like, German is spoken, but there's no subtitles, so we're with her. Mm-hmm. We're, we're aligned to her perspective. We don't get to know who he is yet. She's intrigued by this point, I think. And then we find out that he took out 300 enemy, so- enemy soldiers by himself from a bird's nest with a 1,000 rounds of ammo. He was at Rourke's Drift. <laughs> uh she goes, maybe they'll make a film about your exploits. He's like, they have. <laughs> maybe it'll star you. It it, it does. <laughs> Nation's pride. Uh, she storms out, uh, but is shortly picked up by the Gestapo. Um, she gets taken to a meeting at a restaurant where she meets Goring. No, Goebbels. Yeah, go, Goebbels, go, go, Goebbels go, yeah. Um, who's the head of the um, German cinema and one of Hitler's right-hand men. Um, Zoller's been appealing for the, 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 the premiere of Nation's Pride to take place at her cinema. It's a nice cinema. It's a nice cinema. Um, Zoller appeals, um, even more. Um, good, good couple speeches. Uh, and his logic is right. Smaller cinema, less tickets, less tickets, more exclusive, more exclusive. It's a bigger deal if you can attend. Mm-hmm. Becomes more wantable. Uh, cue the arrival of Lanza. And then it goes, oh, Lanza, Londa, you've made it. And like the, the music comes in. <laughs> and this is her facing her greatest fear. Yeah. Oh. And you find out he'll be the head of security. So it's quite a move from I'm here to hunt all the Jews in, in France to four years later, you're the head of security for special events. So here's the thing then. He knew her name. He watched her run away. He doesn't recognize her. Why? Four years. This is four years later. And four years later. Hair, and he didn't actually really see her face at all. She, he just sees her running from behind. Mm. And just changed the name. He's got no He's reason to think he's supposed to be the, the great detective, person. though, isn't he? Well, he, he does interrogate, but it's she She sort of lines up. Mm. She's told she'll run the projector rather than Marcel. Um, I like Marcel. A little, a little racism. Um, I will note that Tarantino's got a... a, a, a Tarantino likes writing the N-word in his screenplays. Mm. And through the use of foreign language, we got to hear it still a few times. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where the English language version wasn't that word, the no. German or the French was that word. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, he offers her. He does get a milk. He offers her a glass of milk and some strudel. Yeah. Now, strudel mm. would, would probably have pig lard in it. See? Yeah. And Jewish people wouldn't be able to eat that. Oh, well, strudel have. Well, so I'm pretty sure clotted cream is also not kosher. In the pastry. Pardon me? In the pastry. That's what my research said. It would have pig blood in the pastry because shortening, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought he was playing with her because he said about the milk because of the milk in the opening scene. 
Yeah, it's a hard one to figure out. He gets himself a coffee. Whether he doesn't think coffee's feminine, I don't know. Or is she, he's just treating her as Or is young. he infantilizing her? Yeah. Mm. But for us, it's a link of going, it's great for us to go like she would. Does he know? Is this, or is it just a coincidence? Sometimes things just are coincidences. But it plays with you. He knows. He yeah. knows. He knows. Yeah. It puts you in her shoes because yeah. she's obviously going, he knows, he knows, he knows, shit, he knows. And he keeps things close to his vest, whether... He doesn't but he know. presses a quite there, hard. There's times where he knows people are lying and he knows sells it originally. So, like, he plays both sides of it. Yeah, but he presses her pretty hard and then he backs off. And I'm like, I mean, I would say he keeps saying it's a formality, but he says that everybody everything's a formality. But I, but I was like, I felt like, oh, he knows. No, I don't, th- I don't think there's any reason that we can justify that. He only he sees her from behind. It's a pre-internet era. He does not know what Shoshana's face looks like. He's been to the future and back. <laughs> um, he's seen his own death so she comes back to the cinema marcel's going what is going on she's, i'll tell you what's going on we're gonna burn the cinema to the ground on opening night and kill all the nazis and we find out from that um ambiguous voice actor again that film burns three times quicker than paper mm. and shoshana says i'm gonna make a film for the nazis and they go and they leave them there. And we now go to Operation Kino. Kino is the name of the British operation to kill the German officers. It's also the German word for movie theater. Um, I talk about Kino Eye when I teach about silent film. The idea that the eye of the camera represents a human eye. Oh, okay. So we meet Lieutenant Archie Hickocks, played by Michael Fassbender. I like him. Hey. Another one who wasn't Tarantino's first choice. Wow, really? Yeah. He's good in this. His first choice would have said, you've got, maybe after he got shot, they'd go, you've got some red on you. No way. Yeah. Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg was first choice. Oh, wow. Uh, but he was busy doing Tintin with Steven Spielberg. <laughs> but I guess, <laughs> you know, good. Spielberg's an all right choice. Oh, I'm glad they had Michael. Fassbender wanted to be Lanza. Oh, yeah. Lanza, sorry. I, I can understand that. Ooh. At his audition mm. in Berlin, he said, what about this Landa character? And Tarantino said, direct quote, look, any man that gets cast as Heathcliff is not fucking German enough to play my Landa, all right? <laughs> because Fassbender had played uh, Heathcliff in Wuthering Heights, which is a film adaptation of an of one of the Bronte sisters. Yeah. 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 That's uh, one of my uni books this year. I, see, I did not know that. I had to go, who is Heathcliff? What, Heathcliff, Michael Fassbender. And it went Wuthering Heights. So I went, okay. <laughs> All of my Wuthering Heights knowledge I know from Kate Bush. There you go. Okay, uh, come home. Michael Fassbender's performance as Archie Hickocks is layered with irony because Fassbender was born in Germany to German and Irish parents and raised in Ireland. He now resides in London. He's fluent in German as his first language. Wow. Gaelic as his second. English as his third. His mastery of English accents and dialects. Here he plays an Englishman who goes undercover as a German and he can speak German fluently but cannot hide his accent. That's clever. <laughs> so it goes to At this point, I did have to go to Georgia. I gave this one away because I'm like, you won't remember who this guy is by the end. But we meet General Ed Fenich, played by Mike Myers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that took me a little while. The though. end of the war is going to be groovy, baby. Yeah. It's, it's it's about four, me, it took me a good 30 seconds. Oh, I remember the first, because the first time I saw this, I didn't mention my story. First time I saw this, I had to watch at uni. It was an assignment. I had a fascism in film course. Oh, okay. And so this was one of our actual, like, it would be like reading Shakespeare. We had to sit down and we had to watch this. Yeah. Not a bad way to get a, a credit, if I'm being honest. Uh, we saw some terrible things that year, but uh, all things being considered, though, it gave me... It widened my scope. Yeah. Did you know that was him, Strawy? Oh yeah. Oh, Without yeah. question, I went. It's Mike Myers. It gave me. It got, got thirty. Because you know when you go, that sounds familiar. But Canadians do have a natural ping. We have this like radar built in whenever we see. It's, it, you know how it's like gaydar, but it's like yeah. Canadar as well. Like, <laughs> 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 you just, you just, bang! All of a sudden, you have this desire. Like, I want to offer you a poutine and a Caesar. <laughs> Are you Canadian by any chance? <laughs> 
Um, so what are you talking about? Mike Myers, a fan of Tarantino, had quite a been in the film since Mike Myers' parents had been in the British Armed Forces. Uh, oh. Regarding the dialect, Myers felt it was a re- version of received pronunciation meeting the officer class, but mostly an attitude of, I'm fed up with this war, and if this dude can end it, great, because my country's in ruins. And we also have Winston Churchill, played by Rod Taylor. It was that guy's last film ever. Wow. From a distance, oh. he looked great. Oh, yeah. His, his delivery spot on. Mm. I was going to say, was that supposed to be Winston Churchill? Yeah. yeah. He came out of retirement for it. Uh, originally, he said, go get Albert Finney. Albert Finney's the right guy for the role. And they talked him into it instead. Yeah, uh, the plan is to kill the Germans at the premiere of this movie. There's a German double agent who will get them into the premiere. Her name is Bridget von Hammersmark. And in Nadine, we have what I think is the second great scene in this movie. Mm-hmm. And this, when I talk about great scenes, I mean of all time. Like, not just out yeah. of this movie. Like, this film is two of the all-time great scenes full stop. One is the milk scene. One is the scene in the basement. Oh, that, yeah. The basement That bar. whole one big scene. Oh, what, yeah. with the... Um, with the like, names. With the names and stuff. Yeah, that is very good. These yeah. two scenes? Oh, no, no. <clears throat> what is... These what is, two scenes. And the Hateful Eight have proved to me that uh, Quentin Tarantino... Quentin. Quentin Tarantino <laughs> is better at long-form storytelling... Uh, with like maybe five scenes in a film, than like individual. I find them so much more engaging. He's, he knows how to pace those scenes. Um, Tarantino wanted. Oh, so there's this basement, and this is where Aldo meets our world. Start to collide a little bit now, and Aldo's like, "What are doing in a basement?" And at least it's free of Germans. And then we cut, and of course, there's Germans everywhere inside <laughs> this. Uh, Tarantino wanted Natasha Kinski to play Bridget wow. von Hammersmark, who's about 15 years older, I think. He was also in a film. I didn't was, look up the ages, but... That was filmed in King's Lynn. Oh, was she? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, but this is, instead, this is Diane Kruger. Uh, ironically, uh, Diane Kruger's best-known performances were in English-speaking films. Tarantino thought she was an American and doubted whether she could master her German dialogue and accent. Upon audition, she proved to him, yeah, I actually am a native-speaking German. Well, there we are. What else has she been in? Because I don't no know idea. the name. No oh, idea. Yeah, okay. If someone wants to look that up for me, I would appreciate that. Yeah, the, the name stuck out. I'll have a look. Everyone in the basement is playing 20 questions, something that I would love to do, except for it doesn't work well in an audio format, so we just won't do that. Um, Maybe we can do it as a special Patreon, like, games night thing. Yeah, games night would be quite fun, actually. My first she name was a national treasure. Would be, am I Canadian? Hang on, is she a national <laughs> treasure? Yeah. Sorry, yeah, she is? Yeah, Excellent. she plays oh, Abigail she, Chase. She's the female love interest. Yeah, she yeah. works She works at the uh, Smithsonian. Of course, of course. Yeah. Good little films. I really rate the first one especially. The yeah. first one's really good. The second one's pretty good. But the yeah. first one's excellent. Yep. There's a new one coming out. And good? I'm, I'm, I'm less than... Like, I, I don't think he's in it, so I don't care. Oh, oh it's, it's got to be him. He's got to be in yeah. it, yeah. Uh, everyone in the basement is a German, and they're playing 20 questions. And so the officers... And um, the officers would be, of course, our three fake Germans. And the staff sergeant approaches um, the That's actress no. for an autograph because his son was born today, and they're celebrating that. Maximilian. Maximilian. He then pesters von Hammerschmark and uh, questions the accent of Hickok's. And uh, they try to strong arm him off and play the we're officers, but the guy from the Gestapo from earlier is around the corner. Clever and goes. I also was questioning the accent. No, I don't want to hear from you, Lieutenant Frankfurt, and not you, Sar- Sergeant Munich, or whatever it was. Yeah, I want to know where you're from. And thankfully, as we found out earlier, um, um, Hickox is really well versed in German cinema, so he's able to make reference to a German film and says, You see that film? Then you saw me, I was in it, and everyone where I'm from, we all speak like this. 
And Bridget's able to go, yeah, yeah, this is, yeah, he's 100% right. I know him and his family, and that's what's going on here. And they almost shake him, the Gestapo guy, off. Um, they, they they play the 20-question games ever so briefly first. Um, there's a very dark joke about King Kong. Mm, a very, yeah. I'm just going to leave that be there. Mm-hmm. Um, they tried. Uh, it is this idea that America is being mocked by the rest of the world for their, histories and, their history and slavery, which is rich coming from Nazis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to have moral high ground, a lot of countries can probably have a go at that. <laughs> yeah. Not the Nazis. Nope. Um, so he's ready to leave, and he says, I'll, I'll buy you all a glass of scotch. And he says, do you want, th- so ha- five How scotches then. And they go, well, he goes, not for me. The Gestapo guy goes, I'm, I'm on, I'm on lager. And uh, Bridget goes, no, 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 none for, if she just, if she just man upped. Yeah. None of this would have happened. <laughs> Cause there's only one way you can say four. <laughs> You're not going to go like that. You can't, it's too hard. Nice. So uh, he holds up his three middle fingers and says three glasses. And you see the German see him put the fingers up. Yeah. And go, oh. And then he pulls the gun out. And before too long, they've all got guns pointed at each other's testicles. And because that's the most important place to shoot, obviously. It's under the table, which is the other thing, right? Yeah. It's the idea that no one can see it yet. And sure enough, uh, to quote The Gunfighter, which is a short film review that George and I did on Fun Size Films. Oh, yes, yeah. It was an awesome ballet of death. Who <laughs> <laughs> had the biggest balls. <laughs> <laughs> After it was done... No one. No. <laughs> um, so they all die. Hugo, Lich, whatever it was, he dies. I'm um, shocked by this. Yeah, because he's not expecting this, are you? No. And so it turns out that the guy who has the son, who was born that day, little Max, mm. the staff sergeant, survives. And Aldo comes down because he said he was going to. He goes crazy with the old... And <laughs> they make a deal. Takes more, and finally, Bridget's able to go think about Max. Don't do this. And he goes, okay, and he puts his gun down. And we're, we, we follow uh, the staff sergeant as he walks clear from his gun, and we follow him as he looks up for Aldo coming down the stairs. And then like, Diane just, Kruger just shoots him like three times. Boom, boom, boom. Wow. Yeah, yep. that came out of nowhere. Cold. The shot from the gun was cool, like the, like the camera shot from the where we were looking to the gun pulling yep. into shot was cool. It was good. Uh, we go to the vets because that's where they're fixing up uh, Von Hammersmark. And Aldo's interrogating her by putting his finger inside oh. her bullet wound. Mm. Oh. And she explains, which is good, because someone had to. Where did it go wrong? I don't get it. And so the Germans don't do three with their three middle fingers. They do three thumb finger, index finger, middle finger. Which is weird, because I was a kid. I think I remember I did three like that. Ooh. I didn't do three like this. So I would have survived. I would know. I'd have done that. It's three. Would as you well. have done the German three? Yeah. Yeah, me too. No, I wouldn't have survived. Yeah, so there we go. What, what was the explanation for why Germans do it like that? She I'd said have no something. Balls. No, it's just it's just a cultural thing. It's not that they've made a decision. I thought she said something about it's more difficult or something. I can't remember what she said. No, this is the, this, this is the German three. Um, that is the this. The minute he does this, it was it was it was done. Um, dip dip top top. <laughs> so she also gives away what the plan was because you know like Michael Fassbender was supposed to be the guy who pulled off the mission. Mm. Because he was going to be a German. Because that's why you know so much about German cinema. That was the reason why he was recruited to be briefed. And she's like pivoting, going, all right, we can make this work. What do you know? And he goes, we know some, Brad Pitt. Well, I know some Italian. <laughs> Italian. Well, I know the most, so uh, I should be the first. He didn't know any. 
and Donna, he knows the second most, and Jimmy over there, he knows third most. I don't know any Italian. <laughs> like I said, he knows third most. <laughs> so they're going to go do uh, that. But at the cafe, Landa shows up and finds the shoe of Von Hammersmark and the napkin with the kiss and the signature. Yep. I don't know why we didn't do a better job. Like, once everybody's dead, wouldn't you remember? Like, grab your stuff? Yeah. Grab Should we do a sweep? Incriminating, yeah. You had a thought? Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. But yeah. So it didn't seem like they were in a huge rush to get out of there. That's my only thing. You know what I mean? I like Tashu, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we cut from that to chapter five, Revenge of the Giant Face. And we have a great shot from overlooking Shoshana's shoulder towards oh, Paris on the outside. That. The giant face? Oh, yeah. Beautiful. It's all red. It's so red. And David Bowie's gasoline is playing in the background. Oh, great. We find out that um, they managed to get their film made by bullying some guy to, to join together some audio and some visual. And they spliced it in. It's on the fourth reel. And everything is red. Shoshana is a lady in red. Brady in red <laughs> is throwing to me. Uh, Landa approaches Von Hammersmark and he knows. And he walks up, and it's a great shot of the feet. Now, I know it's Tarantino, mm-hmm. and I know Tarantino is all about the feet. He is about the feet. <laughs> but how did they cast her foot? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, and so he questions her mountain climbing, and then Aldo is introduced as Enzo Gorlomi. Um, this is the birth name of a director who did a film called The Inglorious Bastards, oh. spelled correctly, oh. 1978. And the deal was, <laughs> this is a bit rough, the deal was, I believe I'm remembering this correctly, you can have the title Inglorious Bastards if you cast me in your movie. They <laughs> cast him, they shot it, they cut it. Oh, <laughs> but they left his wonderful. name in the movie with Brad Pitt's cover, so maybe there's something in that. Yeah, but still, um, a great triple act between the three of them. Thank God they didn't question DeCoco more, because no. they ask, because um, Landa asks Brad Pitt a bunch of stuff in Italian. Now he happens to know Italian enough, but but his accents is dreadful, dreadful. Gorlomi. So he's I didn't like, get the feeling he knew either. Gorlomi. No, he says he's fluent. Yeah, but I, I, I didn't get that feeling. He, he knew the most. Well, he did say, he didn't understand, could you say your name for me again? Mm. And so he's, and then the second one was able to go ahead and sort of pivot it. I forget what his name was, but he pivots it. It was this great, like, musical Italian surname, and he's doing, bless him, Eli Roth is doing, like, the hands and everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one step short of being a family guy sketch. You know what I mean? And then DeCoco's just like, thankfully, he's a third one. He's going, DeCoco. And he goes, he goes DeCoco. And he's expecting the third, and Landa's like, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. You're done. <laughs> um, so then um, Shoshana goes back into the projection room and says to Marcel, let's go over the plan one more time, which is great because it's for us. Yeah, yeah. It's not. They clearly know the plan. Of course. You wouldn't wait till everybody was there to go, should we go over the plan one more time? But I appreciated it. He, we was, an, know, he was an undeveloped character. He, he was. He was brilliant. Actually, a lot of his, I bet you a lot of the romance ended up on the floor. Oh, yeah. I liked him. Um, there was a third, we found in the middle of the third reel, we need to start setting the fourth one up and getting backstage and yada, yada, yada. Thank God. Um, and then they're crying because this is their goodbye. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. never going to end up. I don't think in the same clip. Maybe she's hoping that she'll be able to get back down. Do you think be she, behind she thought she was going to go with it? Oh, they're planning on dying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, so that's why they're crying. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Londa asks for a word in private with Von Hammerschmark. He sits her down and puts his jacket on the back of his chair, which you think is just him being... He's so good. Yeah. Mm. So, you know what this is? This is like the cinematic version of what Bo Burnham does on like a, on like a stage show. Yeah. Sounds where he knocks up. something over and you're like, oh, that doesn't... He goes... And the voiceover comes from his pre-recorded thing. Ha ha, you thought that was an accident. And you're like, oh, this dude is so clever. So it's that, but it's in a more traditional medium. Mm-hmm. Oh, on the sideline, Bo Burnham uh, inside the outtakes just dropped on oh, Netflix. Go wonderful. catch that out. Um, but watch inside first, then watch the outtakes. And potentially even watch his other, older stuff first because inside. If you can find it, yeah. Sense, I don't think. Make happy is a yeah. definite must watch. Yeah. I think make That's happy naturally blends into this. Yeah. Um, he sits her down, uh, back of the chair. He asks, "Could you put your foot in my lap?" Which is like this feels like how how like Diane Kruger got cast, like you know, mm-hmm. like Tarantino's got a very famous foot fetish. <laughs> Um, and so she finally does. And I thought he was asking for the one with the cast on it. So did I. At which point, why are you leaving like your shoe from your non-injured foot mm. behind? But anyway, it slips on. He goes, what's that American phrase? If the shoe fits, that's right. And then he strangles her. Oh. And when I say he strangles like, her. Horribly. I mean, Tarantino strangles her. Really? So when we get the shot from the point of view, it's Tarantino's hands. Wow. Tarantino says for the scene in which she was strangled, he personally strangled the actress with his own bare hands in one take to aid authenticity. Now this opens some now this opens some questions because he's the director, so there's a power imbalance, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I want I really want to strangle you. Do you feel like you can? Because uh, Uma Thurman had some issues with some. I think there's something that happens in one of the films. It's, it's the car crash and kill Bill. I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, and she had an issue with the way that he, because again, he did the same sort of thing. Uh, and he says to her, "What I said to her was, I'm going to strangle you. All right, full on. I'm going to cut off your air, just for a little bit of time. We're going to see the reaction in your face, and I'm going to yell cut." Kruger went, "Yeah, all right, I'm game for this." and let Tarantino sit on top of her and choke her to the point where she passes out. Why for- would you do that? Fortunately for Kruger, the shot was accomplished in one take. I guess it's for, like, it's a powerful scene. It's a powerful scene, because this is a much more intimate form of killing. Yeah, than you're just playing shooting. with someone's life. Yeah. I'm not saying if I'm a director, I choose to do it. I'm saying this is a decision that they both made creatively together, but we have to recognize the power imbalance. Yeah, he always does teeter on the, um, the brink. I think if I was like an actor and someone line. said I want to do this, I think I'd be up for it. Really? I think I would. Does uh, health professionals around me? Yeah, yeah. No, you're not going to strangle me to death. No, I'm still not in. As soon as I pass out, I can act. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. I'd be as fine so, with that. So Lawrence Olivier said, "Just go and act, my dear boy." Yeah, no, no, I, I hear you, but but I, <laughs> I'd be okay with that. But I'm the guy who always said I'd be on stage and if someone did like a little pathetic slap on me, I'm like really flipping slap. Me. Oh yeah, that's fine. That's not going to kill me, is it? Choking me? No, but the, the camera's so close up. I'm like, nah, go for it. Nah. The I think the difference is like nah. with the with the strangling bit. Like obviously, to, to someone to die from that, like, you have to cut off their air for like a good four minutes. Yeah, like strangling is a lot longer process than film makes it look. Like yeah. so, actually, just to pass out, that only takes like a minute. So yeah. you've got a massive leeway in there. And with film, with it being that close up, if you pretended to do it, the problem with pretending to do it and then going limp, and you've not actually passed out, is that your body will automatically heave for air, and it won't look like you've died. Yeah. So there is, it is difficult to make that look authentic without actually passing out. 
Moving on, just so we can get to Julian. Yeah, um, I'm not passing out on that. Thanks. They take out. Um, so as soon as she's dead, he uh, gets on the on on the phone and says, "White smoking jacket." And they take uh, they take out Aldo. And for, I guess B J Novak from the office is already in the uh, truck. Yeah, sounds like yeah. it. Because yeah. he was just there. We don't explain cut, yeah. where he was. That I lived in Georgia and went. Cut, I was in Georgia and went, is that BJ Novak's voice? And she went, maybe. <laughs> and then the hood came off. I'm like, hey, I'm right. But you got to remember, there's like 30, 40 minutes cut from this, isn't there? Uh, so that's probably one of the scenes. Oh, that's what we're thinking. Yeah, probably yeah, yeah. got cut. Yeah, but yeah. Still, it's still going to make sense coherently. Yeah. With like, why do you have him? Why was he there? We don't even know why he's there. No. As far as we know, it's just it's just the four of them walking in. He said one in the white coat, didn't he? Or yeah. white jacket. Yeah, because yeah, they didn't capture them both at the same time. He no. gets thrown into the truck, and, and BJ Novak's just waiting for him. Yeah. Uh, Landa then meets Aldo, kind of, because he's uh, just caught you flinching. Um, no, if you poke me in the nose, I didn't flinch. No. <laughs> you poked me in the nose. If I put my hand towards your face and you react, that's a flinch. I love this bit. And then he headbutts him. Headbutts him. <laughs> they drive all the way around Paris. They get rushed out into this restaurant. They take off the hoods. Hey, I go, hey, it's BJ Novak. And the reverse shot, it's just Landa. It's like... What? Why'd we go through this whole charade if yeah, you're going to be there the whole time? Exactly. He now hates the name Jew Hunter four years later. Funny that. He, says, he loved it before then. Yeah, he says, he says, you don't get the shoes your nickname. Do you like your nickname being the little man? And this is where he meets Smithson, the little man, Udvich, played by BJ Novak. But you know why he hated it, don't you? Because he wasn't the smallest guy on the crew? No, I mean, why Because Sam Levine was the shortest guy no, on the crew. Okay. the Jew Hunter. Because now the odds are not in their favor to win in the war, is it? The odds were in their favor before. Yeah. So now you know, now he's going. Oh, if things, I'm not going to get done for this war crimes. So BJ Novak had to take a leave from appearing on The Office in 2005 to play Utvich. His absence in the show was explained by his character going to Thailand with some friends from high school. Land is like, look, if you guys blow up the theater. Because they don't know Shoshana's plan to blow up the theater, and Shoshana doesn't know they're coming to blow up the theater. <laughs> My other question is. Are the bastards about to blow up themselves as well? Because they've got bombs strapped to their legs, haven't they? Uh, yeah. Uh, they're, they're willing to. Because um, Brad gets his taken off. They're he? willing to. I don't know if that's necessarily plan A, but they're going to. But Shoshana has, sorry, Marcel on his way down has locked everybody in the auditorium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Landa uh, says, look, if, we, if I do nothing, you can get all four and you can end the war. You can get Goebbels, you can get Hitler, you can get Goring, and you can get whoever the fourth guy is. But I want a deal. And I'm guessing you have a commanding officer that can make the deal. And then the, you got to name someone. And Pitt kind of looks to a certain way. goes, ha, that's a bingo. This is my favorite line in the film. We just say bingo. Bingo. <laughs> it says, we smell a rat. How do we know you were being sincere? He goes, 999.999 times out of a million. Which actually, again, in, in Austria, that's where they would you would put a decimal and not a comma. Oh, Whereas we'd put a comma there. I heard no, 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 no. <laughs> yes. Um, meanwhile, Nation's Pride. Uh, Ethan talked about how Eli Roth is usually a director. Eli Roth directed Nation's Pride. Oh, oh that's cool. Uh, using 300 extras. He was joined by his brother and was so impressed that uh, Tarantino gave him a third day and said, shoot all Daniel Brühl's coverage, which Quentin was originally going to do. Oh, nice. So they did all the point of view shots from from his perspective, and they yeah. went shoot shoot Brule as well. Well done, you've nailed it. So it's kind of the same idea as when uh, Nolan let Heath Ledger shoot all the Joker stuff. 
when it was like always like like hostage videos oh uh, yes, yes 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 ledger shoots all those yes he does yeah in total it's five and a half minutes of footage but it's not supposed to be a coherent story just excerpts of a much bigger deal donowitz is able to locate where hitler is uh, marcel locks the auditorium and shoshana is na- oh, shoshana's just nailing the film she's crying shoshana's fantastic in this oh yeah she loads the fourth reel marcel goes behind the screen where there's a mountain of 35 millimeter film just waiting to nice go Nice to watch it from that view, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Uh, flipped, of course, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Landa's negotiating his endgame, including the reveal of Landa as planting dynamite under gobbles, which actually did happen. Um, there'll be prisoners to Landa who will drive and then surrender. Aldo will then drive American forces, them to American forces for a debrief. Now, the one thing I don't get, because I think I've got my timeline right here, Ethan, tell me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. I believe Marcel locks the auditorium before Frederick goes to say, I'm going to go have a break. There's a, he, th- we only see him lock that front first door, whereas everyone else is moving around on the first floor, like upstairs. Yeah, they move around the first floor. Yeah. Which hasn't been locked. But Frederick's downstairs. He goes, yeah, he, we see him go round the back of the screen and up the stairs that way. Oh, he's still inside the, the auditorium? Yeah. Okay. He goes up the enough, upstairs behind the screen. All right. Um, so Frederick talks by, and he's very charming. He really is, and kind of vulnerable. And says, "I can't watch myself do this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I live this. I don't need." He's obviously got some PTSD, and it was a nice touch. Uh, he forces his way in, and then gets entitled and threatens. And she pivots and says, "Lock the door, big boy," and then shoots him dead. Uh, and it bleeds in with the film. <laughs> bleeds because the gunfire is fine. It completely shocked me when she shoots him. Yeah. Oh, I kind of saw because it. She clearly changes. She threw that line away. Oh, okay, then don't worry. As if to go, because he, he forced himself in yeah. and being a bit of an ass. Pushing back against him wasn't going to work. So at that point, she has to kill him. Yeah, yeah. but then she goes, then she turns on the charm. But yeah, because she needs. Because she knows what she's going to do. She, and, she, he goes, and he goes, what? And then she goes, oh, never mind. Don't worry about it. Yeah, because yeah, she, she wants, wants him to keep to wanting to want sleep it. with her. Yeah, I know. Mm. But that's. Because it's big risk no, to because it's go, too much of a character change. So she's quickly going, "Oh shoot, I've become too whatever." Fine, I'll do that. If you don't want it, fine. At which point, then he's chasing her again. I know he does, yeah. but I'm just saying that's a big risk to go. You know, to to do that. No, because when she says lock the door, she's going to shoot him in the back. Yeah, but he weren't going to lock the door. But he'll lock the door if it means it shows she's going to put out. Yes, but I'm saying I don't think it's a big risk at all, buddy. Okay, we she, disagree. Okay, when when she because she just goes that's a flippant off the she goes okay then don't because it's not yeah to, it's, get, to, yeah, to get him to do it I know but okay we big, just disagree it's, it's just as simple as that, buddy. Happens you can keep way. explaining it and we'll yeah, keep saying yeah, our yeah. part and nothing's gonna change. Okay, how you see it and how I see it is two different things. That's <laughs> what I'm trying to say. Okay, uh, he starts to oh I've mentioned that. Um, she then rolls him over, but she can't like put a bullet in him because the, the shooting stopped outside. So then she rolls him over and bang, and then he has a gun and bang, 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 shoots her three times and then a fourth in the stomach. Why do you think she, she rolled him over? Because do you think she's looking at him on the screen, looking at him dead and going, well, maybe he's, you know. It's like she has a bit of remorse there for a second. Yeah, I think she does feel a little I bit. think he's a sweet kid. Yeah. I think he's a sweet kid. I think uh, he became a war hero and then everything was accessible to him except for her. And this is the, uh, keep in mind, it's, the, it's, it's, it's German-occupied France, so they're already taking what they want anyway. Um, it's also a time of a much different dynamic between men and women as well. And then out on top of that, he's a war hero, and no one's ever saying no to him. So Because she tenderly goes down to him. Yeah. like Up until the point where he forces his way in, he's a sweetheart the whole way through the movie. 
Yeah. But he, I mean, I'm just saying that, you know, when he turns there's over. Remorse. To- I don't think she wants to shoot him dead. No. I think she has to shoot him dead for fear that he'll take the, 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 the film off the reel. Okay, yeah. Why are you leaving? And she's like, no, I'm going to make sure his fourth reel makes it on. And if he's there, he could pull the reel off. And you need the reel to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He so, exists as like a very clear indicator. Not like a victim of the... but. The, yeah, I guess like a victim of the uh, entire organization of the of the of like Nazi propaganda. Yeah, yeah. Um, the reveal: Shoshana shows up. She's dead on the floor, but she shows up on the screen because uh, there's a close with Daniel Brühl saying, "I have a message for Germany." And then cut and Shoshana went, "I have a message for Germany," <laughs> and something like this Jew is going to burn you all to yeah. the ground, Marcel burn it down and he's like as you wish and sort of flips the cigarette the yeah. cigarette and it all goes up it's a good scene and and, and the, the smoke holding her face oh and she's like a devil coming out of this oh, flames it's yeah. amazing oh, it's, shoshana has a sorry uh, donnie and DeCoco have made their way up to the bar and they just kill hitler now at this point i'm going wait what because up until this point, I'm like, okay, it's this fantasy thing. Hitler's going to get away, but we'll blow up some of the baddies. And the, so when they actually kill Hitler, because that's the one thing I'm not, because this is before Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This is before yeah. this became the norm yeah, for him yeah, to yeah. change. And did you see the look in their eyes? Oh, yeah. They were like, let's have him. Oh, they were like, he's dead. And they're like, we keep shooting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, he's like, Make his face paste. is like unrecognizable. Mm. Uh, in the original ending, Shoshana's movie for the Nazis was going to be in French, but it was Melanie Laurent who said, let's make it in English. It'll make it more powerful if we don't have to read, I guess, as the English audience. Yeah, true. Yep. Um, a little interesting fact. Uh, Eli Roth said they almost got incinerated during the theater fire. You can see that. It was projected it would burn at 400 degrees Celsius. Whew. Instead, it burned at 1,200 degrees Celsius. Because oh did you God. see him flinch? He went, oh, yeah. that's like hot. The swastika, that giant swastika that fell down, yeah, yeah, that not hell, supposed to happen. Hell of a noise. Oh, but the steel cables like melted and snapped. Yeah. So uh, Quentin Tarantino was seated on a crane operating the camera in a fireproof suit. None of them wanted to back down and ruin the shot because you get one, you get one go at this. You do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fire marshal said another fifteen seconds of filming and the steel structure would have collapsed, incinerating the actors. Wow. Instead, Roth and Doom were treated only for minor burns and the cinema blows up and all of our heroes in that part are dead uh the next day it's daylight they've been driving all night this is landa and aldo they stop the vehicle landa surrenders he's a little he's a little too smug very smug aldo then shoots herman and tells the temp to scalp them um landa goes you'll be shot for this he goes nah i'll be chewed out I've been chewed out before (laughs) (laughs) and doesn't like that. Aldo will be able to take off the uniform and sure enough. And they make this one pretty visceral. We watch a lot of this forehead carving. I did not watch that. Horrible. Uh, Yeah. So a bit of a fun, but also a somber note at the end of each take actors would face the camera and say, hello, Sally, referring to Sally Menke, the film's editor. This practice has occurred in every Tarantino film all the way back as Kill Bill Volume 1. Glorious Bastards was the last film to be edited by Sally Menke. Because she got fed up with people. Because she died. (laughs) I believe. Yes, she died. Uh, Whose work was honored with her final uh, Academy Award nomination for Best Editing prior to her death later that year and that was 
um inglorious bastards uh just talk uh georgia talk about your first uh feelings about it maybe the fact that what was your reaction when hitler actually dies because i think you're all expecting okay but they're not going to do this we have rules that we think will be in place once hitler shows up you're going okay we're going to stay with the rules of what we know Mm -hmm. hitler doesn't die here hitler dies in a bunker yeah Uh so what was your reaction when it actually all started going down once he kind of like started appearing more and more in the film because obviously he appears for that first bit i was like right okay they're actually putting hitler in as a character for me that kind of opened up right okay they're not going to stick to history now then like to me it made sense because they put him in i was like right if they put him in as a character they he's now a character he's not hitler if that makes okay. sense yeah, so because sense. he was a character in the film i was then like so right, when they okay, killed they, they, when they killed them you, you weren't too bothered by it no. i was like oh, blew, obviously it's blew not my mind <laughs> i cheered when i first watched it well i wasn't sitting there going oh <laughs> especially when i went woo yeah that didn't and then, he's, he's, he's movie hitler it's not the same guy and then they i know and then, and then they cut from it and then they shoot his face to bits and i'm like oh, yeah. ooh, ooh, that's a bit much no it was uh that's a bit much <laughs> like you know what this I is this it. is the ultimate wish fulfillment right of course because yeah, this is this is a much better death for hitler than like, the actual exactly. real one like yeah. doctor who you know as soon as the i think it's the second episode of like the matt smith era it was called like let's kill hitler yeah like it was a like this idea about what well, would you go back in time we kill Hitler so it's the ultimate wish fulfillment and what do you do you have a bunch of Jewish Americans doing it yeah like tell me that's not again just this this extreme wish fulfillment is, taking yeah. place absolutely and so it's all in you know fire and and and, and, and it's a woman and a black man and and and, and Jewish Americans yeah. right so it's kind of you know a big deal julene you are muted i'll let you unmute yourself and we're gonna bring in bff of the bfe julene who for the second time has brought us a quentin tarantino film first yeah. off julene how you doing great great i've been i've been keeping busy <laughs> yeah you've been up you were in new york the concrete jungle where dreams are made of yes <laughs> you were visiting family i think you told me um yeah i i was there um doing city vlog and i went to see my aunt i had to pick up my daughter like a lot of moving parts wow but mostly pick up pick up my daughter and film city vlog so um help us out what is city vlog um City Vlog is a Mom is Always Right media production where I <laughs> that's Mom is Always Right media productions. <laughs> yeah, it's a Mom is Always Right media production. Mom is Always Right <laughs> media production. We're gonna throw that. We're gonna give you as many plugs as we can. As many as we can. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And I'll go into the cities and basically since. I grew up hopping the trains and the subways in New York. In fact, I earned I earned quite a few ass whoopings from skipping school to go to the Bronx Zoo. You know, shout wow. out the boogie down. And this is basically this vlog. Every time I go in and film a place that maybe isn't so touristy that a lot of the locals love, it's kind of like my love letter to the city. I took a tons of beautiful photographs and i the place i visited this time was the morgan library and museum and i went to chinatown what a super cool idea julie yeah you have so many creative ideas 
Yeah. Wow. I always want to retrace your steps. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Mom is Always Right Media, but City Vlog. That's fantastic. Brilliant. We'll have, next time we're in London, we'll have to shoot some stuff and we can send it off to Julie. <laughs> yeah. We can do a city vlog of London or something like that. I definitely want to. I've been dying to visit <laughs> London. I went and, to- you know, I like, I'm an avid reader and Jane Austen is my all time favorite author and uh, Wuthering Heights, my favorite book. Which we mentioned so earlier. So I've been wanting to go there. I, I, I'm not super well read on Austin overall, but I do love Pride and Prejudice. It's a it's a personal favorite. So it's a book that I read all the way through. It's not just sitting in my you bookcase. Said that in the past. Yep. Yeah. Like the beautiful thing I love about Pride and Prejudice and about Austin in general is the contrast that she paints vividly with words, just so you can like see the really see the characteristics of each thing especially she always has like like the city versus the country always put together and i think that is cool and it's also like a window into a whole different place that i wouldn't i wouldn't otherwise be able to see so i love that about her cool yeah, no, I'm not going to fight you on the... I, no, I love no. me some Jane Austen. I do. I've not read enough Jane Austen. I prefer the A&E BBC six-part series to the Kira Knightley. The Kira Knightley one's like 20 years old or something. I felt so old. <laughs> like, that's the new one that I crapped over. Dude, I'm half your age. Jeez. <laughs> <And I've- laughs> um, yeah, so... I don't even want to... Th- what year was this? Was this 20... Well, Inglorious. Yeah, is it 2008? 2009. 2009? Jeez, 13 years? Oh, wow. I guess that's all right, yeah. This will will always be postmarked as as my uni time, so yeah. The the Pride and Prejudice film that I saw first was a black and white film, and I remember being so tickled at the line where Mrs. Ben is like, Oh, let's just say Jemima stop scratching yourself or with like something. And I was like, Oh my God, that is so funny. <laughs> I, I remember just thinking that was the funniest line in the entire film. Oh, Mr. Bennett, <laughs> you take great delight in vexing me all these years. <laughs> uh, Mr. Bennett was my like spirit animal before I knew what a spirit animal was. I just wanted to be Mr. Bennett I when know. I grew up. Yeah. Mr. Bennett gives a whole new meaning to my name Bennett and I ain't in it like he's just <laughs> minding his business and it's like woman g- go somewhere I'm in my <laughs> yeah. little life I'm in my study yeah alone. yeah you worry he's trapped in a room with like six women <laughs> trapped in a house with six women he's got one who's like decent to talk to the rest are just silly girls uh yeah I got a lot of time for uh for, for Mr. Bennett <laughs> Um, I also got a lot of time for Quentin Tarantino, and it looks like you do as well because you've chosen your second Quentin Tarantino film for us to sort of throw up on the docket today. What is it about, before we move on to the film specifically, what was it about QT that that, that seems to strike a chord with you? I I think he's brilliant. I I love how 
I would say like style, like this his style. I mean, Baz Luhrmann's stylistic, mm-hmm. but but it's just it's a lot. Like Baz Luhrmann's stylistic is like an acid trip you didn't volunteer for. <laughs> You're not wrong. Whereas Quentin Tarantino <laughs> is like, he. I mean, there's there's always there's always blood, guts, and gore, and it's always. I, I have no other words but brilliant. The man is very talented. And then if you look, I I used to love those old um those old kung fu films. Yeah. If you look at the way he color grades and cuts his film, it it definitely gives old kung fu flick. It would not it. I'm here for it. It would not be a Julian appearance of color grading to make its way into the conversation. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, the, I mean, the, the the color grading of chapter five in this, where mm. it's all red, red, red like red, the, red, the, the red. premiere, and everything is red, and is that foreshadowing the fire? Is a foreshadowing the bloodshed? Probably mm. all of the above, yeah, all of it, yeah. Uh, but really remarkable use of color, red, white, and it was it was like a white stripes video. If I'm being honest, everything's red, white, and black. So um, yeah, and then the fact that everything. Until it gets to the part where she says, I have a message for Germany. And suddenly it's just black and white. And then you see all that orange just come up. It is just perfect. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fire. <sighs> yeah. Strong, strong thing. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll hit with some of our, our, our thoughts. We'll, get, we'll see what, what you thought as well. Um, I mean, obviously, we, we can't talk about this movie without talking about the opening scene with the milk farmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, easily one of the best opening films and introductions to a villain uh, ever. What was, what was your take on that scene, Julie? The, the tension. I, the, it was, I felt like that scene was well put together because it was so tense. And nothing unpleasant was really said during the, the but the line delivery was just so perfect. The, um, the, it, it was so tense. You could like feel it. He said he's nervous. And then, and then the, the guilt he feels for giving up his neighbor, mm. like you see the tears in his eyes and he's just like, even the threat of the SS officers coming or uh, soldiers coming towards them, you know, yeah. saying "Don't run, yeah, be calm." Well, obviously, we've heard from the backstory that we find out later. Um, like he's tricked the Germans before, mm. so he probably thinks he's got this. Um, I don't know because I think naturally, and of course, of course, you would. Like you, the the first push is to give all the credit to Christoph Waltz for that scene because he does he does all the talking. Mm-hmm. but i think oh, i've got the guy's name in my notes further up but i think the guy who plays the farmer i mean yeah you've got to you got to consider the other half yeah someone to play off of uh denis menoche denis menoche he's fantastic brilliant um the weight and the stress and it's just a good man mm-hmm it's in what? the eyes. It's in the oh yeah, and and, and a glorious farmer beard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the use of light and dark, and that room. Once you shut everything and you shut the door and all, it became really dark. And it's just the two of them at a table. Mm. That's all that's happening. It's two guys talking at a table for probably fifteen minutes. It's not a short scene. No. And then this fantastic 
switch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, still that shot of outside and, the, and she comes out of the frame and runs through the doorway as it leaves. Although I think I must have analyzed too much film now because everything that was happening, I was like, well, that's obviously about this isn't about to lead to this now because the way that they've shot it has told me that something's about to happen. Good. But I think because we've picked it out in so many different films before when it was happening in this one because it's so well done I was going well I know exactly what's about to happen because they've just told me using yeah, like just, camera and work. It's, it's not a spoiler but it is a foreshadow that something's about yeah, to happen yeah. now you can go two ways you can go oh it ruins you know I used to watch um, really crappy TV here we have Julian there's a show on Saturday nights in this country called Casualty <laughs> <laughs> and i used to watch it with my housemate and i'd talk about oh we're doing this oh we're doing this and he got kind of a film education just from hanging out with me and he would tell people oh it's great we watch cash down we know what's going to happen before it happens because because you know ian's able to go oh that camera angle means something <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like i don't know if i'm ruining things for people or giving them a greater say, appreciation you for call things. this a film education others go that ian he ruins everything oh. every time you watch it <laughs> It is a bit, there is a bit where there's stuff that maybe you you didn't know was generic or piss poor. And then all of a sudden you go, okay, yeah, this is kind of generic and piss poor. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Um, and then you take, it's interesting, I wanted to touch on this and something Julian said earlier. The idea that you talked about Baz Luhrmann and you talked about Tarantino, without question, they're both what we would call auteurs. Masters of their art. But you see yeah. a film by them, and you know you it's know. a film by yeah. them. Yes. They've got certain uh, Imagery. Cri- criteria that will pop up. Yeah. For instance, to be, there's most base. You know, is there a lot of foot shots? Yeah, you're probably watching a Tarantino film. You know what I mean? Are you going to play fast and loose with the rules of history? Yeah, you're probably watching. T- if it's Tarantino, good chance that's going to pop in, mm-hmm. right? Are we going to have quick, witty, long stretches of dialogue? Yes. Okay, Tarantino. As opposed to Baz Luhrmann, where are you going to have a visual assault on the senses with super, super high stylization? Yeah, you're probably watching Baz Luhrmann. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about color with Baz, isn't it? And they both have very small... Yes, I do. And they both have very, very small um, filmographies as a result. They're not putting out films j- for a financial purpose. That's, no. They're not Michael Bay. No, you know no, what I mean? No, yeah. They're, they're artists putting out a, a catalog of work that they can be proud of. They're not very prolific. And Tarantino, no. He says 10 films and he's done. He's done nine. Wow. So whatever film's going to happen next, is that going to be... Someone told me today, because I was telling them that I was doing this, um, that they saw in an interview, he said, I'll see how I feel after I've done my 10th. If I feel propelled to, I will. He has said, like, no one wants to see films by someone in his 60s. So he's very much determined that he thinks he's got an end point. Now, he wouldn't be the first artist to go ahead and say, I'm done about everything to say I've said, and then thinks i got something else to say afterwards. Mm-hmm. But he has been pretty consistent with his tennis. That's something he's just said once. I he has said over and over again. This. I know he keeps saying he really <laughs> wants to either do a horror film or a Star Trek. That's not going to happen now. That was a fun. Yeah. That was a fun rumor. But yeah, yeah. The the R rated Star Trek. Didn't he direct a TV series, an episode of a TV series? I'm sure he probably did years ago. Yeah, I mean, sure. I'm pretty sure he did. But I feel like he directed an episode of Alias and was in it, but. I'm very interested to see what a Quentin Tarantino uh, horror film would look like. I, I wouldn't. It, I would wouldn't. it be more like a Dust Till Dawn type of thing? No, I think that'd be grotesque and horrible. Uh, <laughs> it'd be a shame for someone who was as, as cool and writes dialogue as well as he does 
to go for a genre which is based around large passages of not speaking. He directed an episode of ER. Oh, there we are. There we go. Yeah. I would like to see him collaborate. Well, hang on, which episode? Uh, Motherhood from 1995. That's like season one or season two. Yeah, like- season one, episode 24. It was also an episode of Jimmy Kimmel Live. It's probably, I mean, I mean that one's the, the 94. That's before he becomes huge. Oh, in 2005, he did a two-parter of CSI, and then <laughs> he went straight to films. All right. Um, I don't know. The second key scene, I think, Julian, that always bears talking about whenever you do something about Inglorious Bastards, is the scene in the basement pub where they're doing three versus three, and that comes up. And because again, that's another long stretch. We've just conversation, and there's all this subtext. Because really, what we're talking about the whole time is how do we get rid of the Gestapo guy from our table. But layers upon layers of are we safe? Are we not safe? I think we're safe. We might be safe. Are we safe? He's leaving now. Oh, wait, we're not safe after all. And that's all happening kind of under the surface. And the guys that never get to know that Hitler's actually going to be at the cinema because she never gets to tell them because that's the second update. She keeps trying to give them that, yeah, that extra bit. Find out. Yeah, that's a good point. So, yeah. Um, how do you do your threes? Do you do it one, two, three, middle fingers? Or do you do it one, two, three of a thumb? Yeah. Middle yeah, that is American. Yeah, see, I do this, which is weird. I don't know the why. Real psychopaths do it with their pinky finger. What you you, you do that really? Fingers to go. No. I have been known to do this. I, I'm okay. That's for I'm okay. No, yeah. I'm, I'm, just, I'm holding. That's why like Girl really? Scouts yeah. honor almost, but you're missing a finger. <sighs> I'm trying to think. Lot, yeah. Hang on, that's that, that that's I volunteer as tribute. Is what that is. there we go this is great for an audio medium yeah it's true it's true (laughs) if you're still out there just imagine what we're doing at all hang on this is how i do three for whatever reason i put these two fingers down and then like this one always comes down i can never do it Hmm. Yeah, I think it depends how dexterous your fingers are as well. I'm going to do this. This is my three from now on. I can't. Hold down my uh, ring finger. <laughs> what do you mean? One, two. Well, that's just the Matt Hardy V1. Oh, yeah. That one. Someone out there. <laughs> someone out there knows the Matt Hardy V1 reference I'm making. Oh, yeah. Do, 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 he would. It yeah, probably cold. doesn't look as menacing with my tiny, tiny hands. <laughs> he goes that. He goes, I, I think he went up like this because if you're looking left or right, if it wasn't mirrored, it would be a V and a one. Yeah. Oh, like that. Yeah. Yeah, I can swear a tornado. Great song. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know any bits from from uh, Inglorious Bastards that really reach out to you, Julian. Um. Oh, the the part the part with the three the three versus the three yeah that that stood out to me and every time he said i imagine when you go home you're gonna remove that uniform <laughs> and that just don't sit well with me <laughs> yeah um what, what about the mike myers cameo how'd you find that groovy baby cameo yeah. Oh, do you not realize? So, do you know when Michael Fassbender goes in and Churchill tells him all about like the plan? There's yeah. there's another guy who's like briefing him in the room. The guy who talks for most of it is Mike Myers. What? That's no, Austin Powers. Me. Yeah, hundred yeah, yeah. percent. Oh my god! <laughs> I told you we've got Canada. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that took me a good 30 seconds. Canadians recognize Canadians everywhere. The one that really got me. Is better than mine. The one that really got me was Bohemian Rhapsody. He's in Bohemian oh, Rhapsody. Yeah, he there's, the, there's the one where he goes, no one will ever play Queen. Oh, what, yeah, the, the yeah. record guy? Yeah, the glasses and is the that beard. Mike That's Mike Myers. <laughs> yeah. That one took me almost the entirety of it to go. Oh, All of a sudden I go, is that Mike Myers? <laughs> yeah. Because he That's wants funny. them to play the B side. There, there should be a contest to see how many. That could be on Quiz Night. How many movies did you did? Uh, can you name that Mike Myers? Just uh, cameo. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. Because he did the what was he did Love Guru, and then Love Guru pretty much sank his live action career. Yeah. That was so weird. he's been doing you know Shrek. I was going <laughs> to say I think I would get through that round with Shrek, Shrek two, Shrek. Three Shrek four one Shrek, of, Christmas. One, one of your all time favorite films. Scared Shrekless. Cat in the Hat. Cat in the Hat. Yeah. Yeah, I love Cat. Oh yeah. But Love Guru pretty much just does all the tired tropes from Austin Powers in a different universe. It doesn't work. And so he disappears and now he's trying to sort of reinvent himself as like a serious character actor. I love it. I'm a hundred percent here for it. Mm. Yeah. You might not be a leading man, but he's got the he's got Shrek money. You know what I mean? Like he's fine. <laughs> he's never gonna have to work again. Shrek three D. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I saw Shrek 1, thought it was great. Saw Shrek 2, loved it. At some point, we'll have to do Shrek 2. Shrek 3, I saw on the day of release. Oh. It is so bad. Yeah, Shrek 3 is awful. And then I wouldn't then bother Shrek, with 4. Shrek I four didn't bother worse. with 4. Yeah, but you think of the first one, right? How long did that take to come out? How long did that take to sure. film? Uh, not film, but animate, yeah. right? And then the fourth one, how long did that take? Sure, but the first two... They were like, oh, we talked about Scream earlier and Scream was great because Scream's a horror movie that makes fun of horror movies at the same time. Mm-hmm. It, but it, it starts to get bad when it turns into a horror movie and it loses its self-awareness. Yeah. Shrek is exactly Shrek 3 yeah. is, is that tipping point. Shrek 1 and 2, they're playing all the tropes and they're going, we know what we're doing here. Don't worry. Wink, wink. Shrek, Shrek 3, they go, what if we made them fart and had babies? <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> and, 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 and they sell out. Yeah. Now they sell all the way out because they make, it makes it makes ridiculous amounts of money. I did an essay about this about like um, it was specifically the uh, idea of like cultural like pop culture and what it's parodying becomes itself a parody. Shrek's really divisive because mm-hmm. there's people who love and the problem you know you know why I hate Shrek three because it ruins Shrek one and Shrek two in many ways. Yeah, because you go it off. It. it just remember. It just makes you remember, like, oh, you, you, you almost feel like you have to defend Shrek one and Shrek two as a result. But it's been it's become tainted, and people are like, oh, I love Shrek. I'm like, oh, geez, Shrek. <laughs> um, I love in Shrek four when he's like, I hate my wife and children. I'm gonna fuck up the universe. Yep, that happens too. Um, Rumpelstiltskin, of course. Is there? I don't know. Are there any other film franchises that are like that divisive? Where uh, they start off really strong and then something just destroys it. Yeah. I guess Marvel has now. Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly Hills Cop three is rough. Rough. <laughs> but it's not Shrek three rough. Like Shrek three is like like <laughs> like terrible. What was your suggestion, Julene? Fast and the Furious. Yeah. <sighs> See, I saw I've the first that. one. I really liked it. Saw Too Fast, Too Furious, like that, mm-hmm. and then stopped at Tokyo Drift because I went. It's about the actors aren't there. I don't want to watch that. Die but- Hard. Like, oh yeah, you're a hundred percent right. Die Hard. Mm-hmm. But I like um, Shaw and Hobbs. Is it the Hobbs and Shaw? Hobbs and Shaw. I like sure. that. No, because apparently around Fast Five, it starts to get decent again because The Rock comes into it. And they also like it, it. No longer becomes real. It's like this weird 
hyper cartoonish it, world it, where it's like, yeah. what if we put a bank? They kind of the do sky. the opposite of Shrek, where they start off just being generic action movies, and then yeah. there's a little bit of a wink and a nod to going, oh, we know we're doing stupid, but we're doing it. And you go, yeah, I can't believe you're doing I this. I don't know. The car in space situation. Has yeah, been, like, I haven't seen that are, one. Are yet. we serious right now? <laughs> I can't wait. Space. Building to building. That was the weird one, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I got out. Weird. See, I got I've out. I've not seen any of them. I hear Shrek. Five, not Shrek Five. I hear Fast Five was this great renaissance. I am a completionist, and so I, although I was gonna like, I'm gonna skip Tokyo Drift because it doesn't matter. Apparently, it does eventually. But I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. It does eventually. I wanted to go back to to to. Basically, if it didn't have Paul Walker, I was like, I don't, I don't care. So I went to, to, to watch Fa- uh, Fast and Furious 4. And I got, I, was, I kid you not, I was live tweeting it long before I had a podcast or something like that. I was about eight minutes in and we were in our sixth scene. <laughs> like, think about that. Eight minutes and we're, how long was that milk scene? You know what I mean? And we're in our sixth scene. I'm like, I am getting like whiplash. Just what are we doing? Were there giant what? place cards and was it directed by the Russo? It wasn't. No, I could have used <laughs> some giant place cards or title cards or something. And I was I'd like, I'm done. I turned it off. I've never seen Matrix. a Fast and Furious movie until like 2018. And I, I asked a friend who was like, they're the best films I've ever seen. So you know that he's an idiot. And um, I was like, did any of them open? And I gave like the exact opening of like, it starts black. And then it's like, the the sound of a car engine. And he's like, that's how all of them open. And I'm like, oh, you, I hate it. Now, Liam said The Matrix. First one's brilliant. First one's brilliant. Second one's all right. Okay. Third one's just, I never saw the fourth. What the what? I will, I will meet you're a Matrix, and I will raise you in Indiana Jones. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. buddy! Because yeah. you got you the first one. First one's pretty good. Yeah, I like Raiders. Temple of Doom. I'm not so hot on, but it, it doesn't do anything against the spirit of the no, franchise. No, it's fine. Last Crusade is an all time banger. Brilliant, all time yeah. banger. It's like Die Hard with a Vengeance, where where the third one's better than the first one. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you say. Like oh, it just is. The last, the, the last Crusade is the best. I mean. First one I saw. Sean Connery. Yeah. Sean Connery. Giving him so, it's the same as Die Hard of the Vengeance. Give him someone to bounce off of, mm-hmm. and it's so much better. Like, Indy against, like, stuffy English dad guy, Scottish dad guy. It's brilliant. There's one And Halloween. we get more Marcus. You Bouncing. can't go wrong with more Marcus. Well, Season of the Witches, third one, is just, like, nothing to do with Michael Myers. I'm going to trust you on all of this. And then the rest... It's just stupid. See, it's hard because what I'm looking for is ones where it's not just the first one that's good. Because any film can do a first one that's good and then a sequel that screws it up. I'm looking for like a sort of continued circle of like greatness. Mm. And then it just falls off the cliff. Otherwise, I go like, man, I'm black. It's like, yeah, I had one good movie, didn't it? Yeah. So, but. Um, I mean, Harry Potter got like Kingsman. five or six good films. That's and then why. Off. That's why Back to the Future is so good. Yeah, because they're all... There's not really... I mean, three might be the weakest of the yeah, three, but, but it's not a bad film. No, it's not bad. No, it's, it's still a really weakest. good... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't... See, it's... I, I, you know what? That's so, they're so close. I'll listen to your argument. I'll two. listen to it. Yeah. yeah, I don't agree with it, but I'll listen to it. Yeah. Two's clever. <laughs> no, no. What I mean is, like, I'll disagree with you, but if you're just telling me to choose... Yeah, I'll listen to that argument, absolutely, as opposed to if you were to tell me, you know, Crystal Skull's not the worst Indiana Jones. Shut up. <laughs> shut I, up. I, it was on TV the first day of this year. I think it's the first film I saw in 2022. And it was just on. So I was like, why not? I can't be as bad as I remember. Yeah. No, it was, wor- it was worse than I remember. And this, is, is this an essence, what we're talking about with Tarantino, though, and keeping it down to 10 films? 
Yeah, don't put anything out. And, uh, don't put anything out unless it's going to be great. Yeah, yeah but it's not everything he does is great. He doesn't, he doesn't hit every time. I, I can't. Uh, my, my my Tarantino knowledge is only about fifty percent. So I'll, what have I seen? I've seen Pulp Fiction. Brilliant. I've seen Inglorious Bastards. Semi brilliant. I've seen Django. <laughs> Semi brilliant. I've seen Kill Bill Volume One. Not seen it. I've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think once upon a time okay. in Hollywood. Did I say Django? The only one I'm not Django. Hollywood. No, you didn't. Okay, so I've, I've seen six of the nine. I haven't seen Death Proof. I haven't seen Kill Bill Volume Two. That was rubbish. Uh, oh, because oh, ten yeah, films is really eleven proof. films because he's counting Kill yeah. Bill as one film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I haven't seen Kill Bill Volume Two. I haven't seen Death Proof, and I haven't seen Reservoir Dogs. Oh, uh, did you say Jackie or Brown? Jackie Brown? Yeah, Jackie Brown. I Jackie like. Brown's good. Reservoir Dogs is good. Death Proof is uh, true romance. Oh my god! Yeah, I forget. That's kind about of like the unofficial proof. one because he screenwriter. Yeah, because it, yeah, it? yeah. it's like it's like a grindhouse thing. Yeah, that it's not great. Um, I'm not hot on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I think I, was oh, I really liked it. Out. Yeah, I think it's, I a, it's it, a slow I, burn. I, that might be why I think I was in a bad. That I, third I, act is great. Very I slow. I don't burn. enjoy the ending, and I think I've said. Oh, I love, I love the ending. Yeah, I think it's because it's like a real person. But again, that, I, we could give this exact argument for for this film, and I love it in yeah, this film. That's true. I need to give it. I need to give it. Another. I did feel maybe he was like I've gone like I've developed a. a, a, a is this like his M Night Shyamalan thing now? Like Shyamalan's got to yeah. have like the twist. Is Quentin now like I'm gonna do like oh I'm gonna change history? Yeah, shock. Is, is is that his thing? Shock the history. Yeah. Uh, question for you, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Which I is feel like if sorry, I no, feel like if Death Proof and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the weakest of your filmography, you're doing pretty good. Just say. Oh, he's batting better oh, than yeah, most. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be like, I mean, especially to Baz Luhrmann earlier, because Baz Luhrmann, I haven't seen, I haven't seen Australia, but I hear it sucks. Yeah, I haven't seen. That. I haven't seen. Did he co- Sunflower? Is that what it's called? I don't know. Did he co-wrote, um, or did he just star in uh, that vampire movie? Who oh, are we talking about? Dawn. Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, twin, yeah. He he that's just he was just in it. He didn't co-produce yeah. it. No, 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 he's just in it. Oh, okay. Is that Robert Rodriguez? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's doing yeah, a made yeah. a favor. He's pretty good in it. I like Robert Rodriguez. Problem, my problem with Dust from Dust Till Dawn is it's two different movies. And I love and right. I was and yeah. I was in love with the first movie. Yes. This, same. This great this so so Georgia. <laughs> Cause I don't think we'll ever do it, because that doesn't qualify in any capacity. It is two different movies. Uh, from Dust Till Dawn is this plus you'll forget. <laughs> Dust Till Dawn <laughs> is this movie about this pastor who's like a single dad. Right. And his kids, teenagers, right? And they get kidnapped by George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino. Right. And they're making a run for the Mexican border because they've stolen money or something like that. And so they have to like steal the RV. But then they have to stop for a fuel up or they need food or something. And they stop at this like roadhouse diner. And then it turns into like a vampire movie at this point. Overnight, yeah. Oh, I think I've heard of this. Yeah. yeah. So up until this point, though, I'm loving this like kidnapping movie, which was kind of big in the 90s. And it was like, nope, total tonal shift. And it just turns did into they, a typical, like, you must survive the night. Did they keep it secret, wait, like, throughout all the trailers to, and stuff? Okay. I did, thought they had to, like, meet someone at a trucker bar. Maybe it was that, but yeah. Yeah, they, they were waiting the for someone twister, to meet them so they can pass off, like, their, their score or whatever and make it safely into Mexico. We went. And, 
and the bar is called the Titty Twister. And <laughs> the scene with Cheech and Chong was like the best one. But is all I want to know is. Isn't there like topless Salma I, Hayek in this or something? Yeah. And she yes, turns into a vampire? Oh, jeez. With a snake. Yeah. When, yes. When he decided that Salma Hayek was going to put her whole foot in his mouth. That's like, why they acknowledged this film. Come up. How did that. How did that come up? Did he just say? Quite right, said, "I got an idea." <laughs> you, can see, you can see that man's not acting his joy there. You have to pay me. <laughs> I'll take this one for the team. Um, I got it. <laughs> and the old hole in the hand, isn't it? Whole, I mean, it's one of the great because everybody else gets like bitten and they turn into a vampire in like thirty seconds. The priest gets bit. He's like, oh, "I reckon I got about an hour until I turn yeah. into one of the undead." Yeah. Let me bless a lot of holy water because the <laughs> plot needs you to have this later. Oh, it's because so he can rough. Fight off the vampire because he's a holy man. My sister, well, he'd already been bitten at that point. Yeah, My he's fighting off yeah. the vampire within him. My sister. Um, I guess she had choice of movie. Maybe she had a friend over or something. We went to the Handy Mart in Dundalk, Ontario, Canada. Handy Mart was like this little like convenience store. Probably there was some like like a village shop or something like that. <laughs> and it had movies, and you had big green smiley faces if it was available for rent, and like a sad like red face on it if it was rented <laughs> with a tear coming down it. And my sister was like, "Let's watch." It's always smelled like fried chicken because it's where we got our fried chicken and like taters, which is like <laughs> battered potato, right? And so that was like, a, I was like, I was like, a good Saturday night. Actually, I'm really nostalgic. I was like, a good Saturday night. And my sister, because it was George Clooney. Oh, we should get this. And I don't know, probably not 16. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> and I'm like, what are we watching? This? Uh, I wonder if I watch it now again as an adult. I've only seen it the once. That's the film with the cock gun, isn't it? Probably. I don't. Yeah. Where the, Ethan, do you remember that? I've not seen, my only knowledge of this film is the scene where he gets his foot in his mouth. Oh, okay. So, Georgia, though, going back to Inglorious Bastards. Right. There was some concern about whether you'd be able to handle it. Now, you watched it and seemed to be okay, minus a couple of turn away from, from the screens and more yeah. visceral moments. Overall, right? Yeah, absolutely fine. Because the thing I've always said is, once upon a time in Hollywood, I'm not sure how she'll do with that. No. But no, she'll be, that, I think. But she'll be. But I, I fear she'd be okay with this. And she yeah, was. The, the content is okay in this. It's just there was a few bits. I was like, I don't. I just don't want to watch his finger in her bullet hole. Like, no. Nor do I. <laughs> nor do I. Nor do I want to watch like this. Her like finger in his blood. Intense scalping. Something I didn't mention yeah, no, I didn't was they. That. They all had to go do like a one day scalping course. Did they? And the deal was, what? whoever learned how to scalp the best would get like a, a like a, a scene of them like doing a close up scalp in the movie. Oh. Yeah, I think because the first scalp, the first person scalped is Tarantino. He is. Oh, uh, is it really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, pretty Gross. cool. So, um, uh, I I thought the scene where the girl was like forced to go to dinner and told, and she was like voluntold that the movie premiere would be at her theater. She was Gestapo. Was, <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm quite proud she, of that. She was like. She was like, yeah, she was like voluntold. And then when she just sat there and then she came face to face with Christopher Wald's character for the person, that was, again, so intense. Like, they, he Very. does a, so well with those type of scenes. Yeah. Um, you're not wrong. We, we commented on that scene. That's a powerful scene, especially because just like her, we're kept in the dark. It's a, it's a tight close up on her and we hear, ah, oh, Lanza. And we're like, what? Mm hmm. Um, something else that we talked about, Julian, I'd be curious to get your perspective on this, especially as a woman. Um, the scene in which Kruger is strangled 
by uh, Christoph Waltz. Or by, I should say, by Hans Lanza. Londa. Because it's actually Quentin Tarantino's hand strangling her. And he they came to an agreement that he was actually going to strangle her for reals. For real. And they would capture it for as long as they needed it. And she was good with it. And so what we see, it's like he's legitimately strangling her. And it, it created some discussion on amongst the four of us about the ethics of that. If she was up for it. I won't, I won't lean by saying who felt what way what's what's your thoughts when you when you hear that um okay um uh, my first thought yeah. is like i'm i'm concerned about you know the violence against women but at the same time some people have their kinks when, <laughs> it's, it's her body right yep. like so her body her choice she can choose to be strangled and she could have she could have said no she could have said no, we're we're gonna act, and this is not going to be happening for real, you know. And if we're going, well, we can't really judge her or him for the choices they make if it's one hundred percent informed, consensual, and she's like, choke me, okay. <laughs> Especially like so, some people like kinky. Some people like that. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, we we did yeah. ask around and said, would you let someone strangle you in a situation like this? And and I said yes. I'd be 100 percent up for it. Someone can go ahead and strangle me on camera. Um, as long as when I pass out, you just sort of stop. I'm kind of okay with that. And I said no, 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 no. <laughs> and I said yeah, go for it because it's really difficult to get that shot looking authentic if not. So I said funny. We- you said, well, how, wait. <laughs> go ahead, Julian. Well, well, how much is how much does a uh, choke money run? How much is choke money? <laughs> I was to say, if I'm getting <laughs> danger money, go know. for it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, how much is the hazard paid? Did she did she get thrown a few extra? Direct million? quote from Diane Kruger: "Quote, he treated me with utter respect, never abused his power, or forced to do anything I wasn't comfortable with." Well, you go then. So there we go. Yeah, I still want to do it. No, and, and no one's either. asking you to do it, but we're talking about is it right for him? To, and I, was, I don't know if it means, but it says that she was, she was definitely more than con- consensual. Yeah, re- regarding this, well, that could damage your voice box. That could damage your windpipe. I don't know. We could... we got Tom Cruise hanging off, hanging mm. off trains and stuff. You know what I mean? Mm. I'd rather this do is that. Le- this is less of a risk than that. I would rather do that. Okay, I'd rather hang off the end of a. But that's you plane. again. So the Jump question isn't building. the question we're having isn't would you do it? That's a totally different question. The question is do you have a problem with someone else volunteering? So do you have a problem with someone else being asked to do this? No, but in your hands in your hands bit. <laughs> That's probably why he potentially why he wanted to do it as well as in Quentin because he is then in control well, what of you that don't, situation. What you don't want is you don't want out of some misguided you don't want to ask out of concern, someone else to do it. You don't want Christoph Waltz doing it half-assed and having to go, we got to do it again. Yeah, but equally you so don't So I'll want do it once. We'll do it right. We'll have the conversation. Yeah. Here's what I'm after. So you mean he's done it before? What do you mean? Well, you don't just go straight into choking someone, do you? Strangling someone. He's probably... He's, I, he, he comes across as the sort of person that like has probably read up on how to do it properly and like the safest ways of doing things and then having to pass that information to ask someone else to do that is a different situation well, you're going to have a scene where you're going to have shoshana's going to get shot in the stomach and she's going to bleed out right 
Mm. Shoshana is going to get is going to bleed out. We've had other people get scalped. So if you want Diane Kruger's death to be memorable in a different way, then you can't just shoot her because that's going to happen already with a different character. So we have is a really int- I mean, this is a really intimate way of killing someone. Yeah. I haven't got a problem with seeing it on screen mm-hmm. because I didn't think it was real. Mm-hmm. When I find out it's real, mm-hmm. that made me have all sorts of questions go through my head. All right. And I'm an actor, not a method actor. <laughs> right. I, I, I'm not someone. But she's not you. I'm not and, someone who'd stick my life. And again, I think, I think we're, we're bumping our heads, though, against this. I'm not asking if you would do it, Liam. No. Yeah, but that makes me. That's why I can't watch horror movies. Because if I see something that's semi real. You know, like a guy with a chainsaw coming after you. <laughs> I'm, I put myself in that situation. And honestly, I'm going to shit myself because <laughs> I'm not... Do you know what I mean? Um, but, okay, but if two actors are supposed... It's, it's a different thing, but if two actors are supposed to kiss on stage, do you want them doing a fake kiss or you want them doing a real well, no, kiss? No, that's not dangerous though, is it? No, but we're talking about... You, you, could, you could simulate a kiss. No, I'd rather do the kissing. Well, of course you would. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else noteworthy or specific about this before we move on to the end game here. Hmm. I don't think so. Things that we talked about. Yeah, I think like we we talked about the first scene, the dinner scene where yep. she was like voluntold that something was going to happen in her establishment. Um, the last scene is still like what it's like number two. My my number two favorite scene in that whole movie is the the last scene when when he finally gets his hands on uh, Hans. Yeah, oh, and carves the uh, swastika yeah. because Hans is like, "Ooh, I'm home free. I'm safe. I'm about to." Go to America, be a citizen. Yeah, really manipulative. Get my get my home in Nantucket, and and then you know it's like, oh, just kidding. The sad part is like he's not wrong in the sense of what he says. Like if you want to get all these four and end the war, you can't do that without me. And he's a hundred percent right. You can't do it without him. You might get a couple of them. You won't get all four, and you won't end the war. Yeah. Not as far as they know, because he doesn't know Shoshana's burning down <laughs> the thing. Anyway. So in that regard, he's right. Like They need to partner with him. So they need to partner with, as Brad Pitt would say, Nazis, <laughs> in, order, in order to make this happen. Nazi. So, you know, um, I, I, yeah, I really like Brad Pitt. Though. He's very good. Uh, well, the, the accent was a little bit strong in places. Oh, I love it, though. Just because I couldn't understand it. I like him. As Welcome a to my world with you people. <laughs> what do you mean? Mine's clear as day. Not you guys necessarily, but if I go ahead and I watch them as set in the north or something like that, <laughs> it's like like Peaky Blinders. I'm like, what am I doing here? I need subtitles. Thomas Shelby. Well, what What about our, What about that scene with that dude who's a complete incel and just can't seem to take no for an answer? And Shoshana's like. Are you so used to Nazis kissing your ass that you don't remember what no means? Well, the answer, the, like, the answer to your question is yes. Yeah, but it was a brilliant line, though. Because he's, so well. he's a German in occupied France, and which point it seemed like every French woman just said yes out of self-preservation. Mm-hmm. You know, we had several French women we see throughout the film with German men, including the one cutaway to Goebbels' uh, 
Translator. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Which is it's very clever. There's a couple of little bits like that that make that kind of go. This is what people are thinking whilst it happens. And yeah, it's, it's, it's clever. Um, and so. But no, I mean, he's a war hero. Everywhere, everywhere he goes into a room, people buy him drinks. I mean, probably every other woman. That's the thing. He, if, if he knew he was dealing with, with a Jewish woman, he might have gone, oh, makes a bit sense. But in his, in his worldview, it, it's, it's unfathomable the idea that a girl would turn him down. Mm. He's a good looking dude. Right. <clears throat> he's a movie star. He brought the premiere of the movie to her. Bi- like, if you want to look from that perspective, like, he, not that he deserves anything, but man, he's wooing her hard. He's trying. Yeah. My mom and dad knew this guy who, like, basically, like, he was like Barney Stinson. He could get any girl he wanted all the time. And there was this one girl that he tried to get and just wasn't interested in. Lily. Kind of broke him. Yeah, sometimes it's that, that yeah. idea. Um, he, Daniel Grohl was asked, what did you, uh, what, what, what's your take? And he says, I think he really loves her. And we see him at his worst moment in that in that moment, and I'm with him 100. percent I think he really does love her. I think he's 100 percent smitten. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. So I would say necessarily love. He thinks he loves, but I don't think because he, he doesn't know doesn't know where he's a young her, he's a young man in love. I think love's different at different stages of your life love, as well. Yeah, yeah. He's in love. Yeah, yeah. Because because love in its very purest natures, it's not selfish. No, no. But as far as like he's the smitten kitten. Yep. You know what I mean. So I think he's more like infatuated with her because for me, I feel like for it to be like for him to be like in love, he would have to feel like the feelings are reciprocated. But she's been telling him to to piss off at every turn. And he's just like, what? Try harder, you say? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know about you, Julian, but I've I've had a few guys like that in the past. I'm like, no, different, definitely not. <laughs> but I think <laughs> just keep going, I, and going. I, I think brilliant. Hollywood has glamorized, especially in older stories, though, this notion of you keep trying and eventually the girl sees you for who you are. Wear him like that. Wear him down, trope. Yeah, yeah. And he wants Ted, Ted Mosby playing hard to get. Oh yeah, yeah. My, I, mm. I, I, <laughs> but the problem is that the, there are some women who have played hard to get. Yeah, no, no. And so it's like a, it's like a massive mixed message. <laughs> the three times I explicitly said no weren't good enough. Oh, okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, I rewatched recently Coyote Ugly, I've and never I was seen like, I was like, why did I do this to myself? Like it's not creepy that it's dudes following her around the block. Oh, will it ruin it if I watch it again? It will definitely. Oh no! (laughs) Leave it be (laughs) in the in in your mind. Just leave it as it is. I I watched it from like today's lens as a as a young you know young twenty teen twenty something. I was like, oh, that's so cute. I I was like, wow. She said no. He followed her. He followed her home he followed her around the building he arrived at her place of work and didn't even know she didn't even tell him where she worked this dude's creepy and every oh he's so fine this is so cute i totally shipped those two and i'm i would be so creeped out if i met a guy like that in real life hey polly <laughs> your sister's with me <laughs> 
it's so wild to me that all of those things happen in the TV show You, which is about uh, uh, a serial killer. Oh, so it's like this show about a guy who's like a serial killer incel type stalker, but he's really hot. So it's okay. And <laughs> no, that's the thing. That's the thing. The audience think this because they're like, oh, he's so, Joe's so cute. And I just want, oh, I wish he was stalking and killing me. And I'm like, I, no, I, he's a bad little guy. He's a bad guy. <laughs> Netflix, stop. <laughs> he's a good actor. He's good at playing it. But it, it's that thing of like, uh, if you watch like, like i don't know there are people that watch the boys like oh homeland is such a good little guy i want to be just like it's that same thing um where people like the audience aren't told that it's bad but should know it's bad (laughs) it's like when they when they cast good-looking actors for for shows like for like documentaries about serial killers (laughs) Remember uh, when they they cast Zac Efron as Ted Bundy, and everybody's like, "Oh my god!" They like glamorized, and this dude killed women and had their way with had his way with them after they were dead. It's gonna be a Wildcat New Year. I'm okay with that. I watched the Ted Bundy movie uh, because it's because he's good in it. He's really good in it, and because the whole thing is. People like he's so hot. He Ted Bundy is an attractive. He's not. He's really not. But people thought he was, and they were like the allure of power. And Zac Efron like really nails that because he's a pretty man. I mean, and who would have thought Zac Efron had that type of range? To be honest, like I didn't expect much. Me. Whenever he, <laughs> whenever he did a movie that wasn't High School Musical, I was like. It's Zac Efron. I've never seen High School Musical, but I have a man crush on Zac Efron. That guy is an amazing actor. You heard it here. <laughs> Moving on. We're in the end game now. And we're in the end game now. We've gone on all sorts of little road trips, but let's bring ourselves back to Once Upon a Time in Nazi-occupied France. Working title for the film. Um, I like it. Which I quite like. I do. <laughs> Uh, but uh, thankfully, if he did that in the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think that would. Uh, mm. So he got to use his Once Upon later on. What a um, weird franchise of it, Once Upon. Once Upon trilogy. Uh, let's take yeah. a look and go, Liam. We need uh, not Liam. No, 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 because we got some help here to, this week. We got Juline. Juline, we need a random word. Um. Oh. Shoes. Shoes. Mm. Shushana. There was a pair of shoes that got our spy killed. <laughs> and show no, 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 no. Can I change it? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> strangled. 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 All right. As the guy who has no. to look at all these gifts, I look forward to this. Um, that's sarcasm for the record. All right. <laughs> money, money, money. Seventy million dollar budget. What does this take home, Georgia? Three forty. Three forty. Liam. 420. 420. Ethan. Ooh, 460. And Juline. 250. George is closest. 321.5. He's been on a bit of a run with the money lately. Party. Uh, one win at the Oscars, eight nominations. Ooh. Nominated for. Script. Best original screenplay. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Editing, you said before, right? Yeah, editing. Yeah. There's two. <laughs> you got six more. Uh. 
actor lead no lead actor oh uh, supporting, uh, support, actor. Is it supporting supporting for- actor yep waltz. christoph waltz is nominated for best supporting actor yeah mm. Uh, does What's Her Face get supporting actress? No. Oh. Christoph has the only acting nomination. Oh. Cinematography. Yeah. Cinematography. Yeah. Without a shadow. Uh, best picture? Best editing? Sorry, best directing? Uh, I, f- I forget what all the categories are. And then are. two, which I was curious to get Ethan's thoughts on, because it's your little bugbears, buddy. Sound editing and oh. sound mixing. Sound in this is beautiful. Yeah, it's a Tarantino yeah. film, isn't it? Yeah. He he knows how to do it. There's something also with the score, because the score you can like hear... Uh, the tap on from the conductor when he's when he's conducted. Ah, it's weird it's though because it's yeah, it's like beautiful. None of this is original, mm. or very little of it's original. Like literally, there's no music by. There's a music supervisor, but not a music by, not a composer. I think the fact that you can hear, you can actually hear when he taps, yep. and all like it just makes it feel nicer. And it's it Tarantino, like some of the music is anachronistic. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there's some funk in this. <laughs> and things like that, like which is great. There's a David Bowie song in it. There's a Bowie song yeah, in it. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So there we go. Um, it wins one. Want to guess which one it wins? Cinematography. No. I want to say editing because she passed away. Not editing. No. Editing. Uh, screenplay. Nope. Supporting oh, actor. Yeah, it's Christoph Waltz. Isn't it? Yeah. In late 2009, Sir Michael Caine praised Christoph Waltz's performance, saying it was the best performance of a villain I've seen in years. Caine then correctly predicted Waltz would win Best Actor in a Supporting Role at that year's Oscars. Oh, nice. He sure. also won the BAFTA in the same Bafta. category. Again, the only win that it would get. Wow. Has he so won twice? He won Best Supporting Actor for this, and he won Best Actor for um, Django. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's won both. Deser- both deserved. Both deserved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was my first experience with Christoph Waltz. Like, what a coming out, which I think was for most people. Oh, yeah. What a coming out party. Mm, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, for, here's a trivia game. For his performance in this film, Christoph Waltz became one of seven performers to win an Oscar for playing a character that speaks mostly in a foreign language. Mm-hmm. Can you name anybody else who's won an acting award for speaking a foreign language? I'm trying to remember if Amelie got nominated or not. Adrian Brody. Anyone in Parasite? <laughs> uh, maybe. Uh, Yoon Young Jing, I would imagine, is from Parasite. That would be That's my guess. Like the Parasite, Oksha, or um, the train one. There we are. I can't remember its name. Georgia, I think you're one. right. Is oh, Hang on. No, I don't think you're right. What's the name? Marion Cotillard. It's French. I think she's the one from, from Chocolat. Not the woman from Amelie. Other people up there, Sophia Loren, Benicio Uh-oh. del Toro, mm-hmm. Roberto Benini. Oh, if you don't remember Roberto Benini's Oscar, it's weird because I thought it must be this really, he's a really fun guy. He won Best Director and um, Best Actor at the Oscars that year. And he was like, I love the Oscar. I make a love to the Oscar. Oh, and, yeah, I've seen that. And you're like, oh, this is like a really funny film. It's about the Holocaust. Like, it's terrible. <laughs> oh, jeez. And then Robert De Niro for, uh, I believe it's one of the Godfathers. Uh, okay. Uh, okay, yeah. So there we go. Um, this is the first Quentin Tarantino film to win an acting um, award at all. Um, where's what I'm looking for here? Come on, keep scrolling. Keep going. Um. Yeah, we talked about that for uh, that. He, that he won in back to back. Christoph Waltz. Um. Question. Here's one. What's the body count in this film? Ooh. Well, are we counting the three hundred that k- get killed by what's his face? Oh. Okay. Interesting. I'm going to say anything in. 
nation's pride does not count. Does not count. Does not count because okay. it doesn't. That happens in the film because that those are fictional deaths. That's not yeah, a documentary. No. Okay. One hundred and seventy-eight. One hundred and seventy-eight. Anybody else? Uh, seventy-two. Seventy-two. Oh no, we count in the the cinema audience. <clears throat> Do they die? Yeah. Probably should count them then. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Four hundred twenty-five. All right. Excluding the cinema people. Oh. No, uh, no, including, including the cinema, cinema no, no, people. I'm excluding them and then add it, like adding how much I think. I think it's like oh. 106 before cinema, so I'm going to say like 528. And no, I just got this from somewhere, so it could be wrong. I didn't count on myself. Julian? I'm going to say like 370. Julian's closest, 301. Well, oh, they done. tell us that the cinema holds 350 people. A lot of them had to pee. <laughs> Cross the street. That's not okay. Christoph no. Waltz took fifty people with him to to take um, our two Americans across. To I disagree with that number. <laughs> That's not okay. Um, let's do. Who would play who in this movie? I think I'm Shoshona. Oh, I love that part. Yeah, you're you, you without question. You're 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 Aldo. Yeah. Kill me some Nazis. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah Plus, you're trying to fake through some Ita- some Italian and be the same Italian. thing. Yeah, I would. You're right, uh, Ethan. <laughs> oh, it's hard with Ethan. He's either going to be BJ Novak, or he's going to go hit the weights and he's going to be the bear Jew. Who's I want to be the bear Jew. I feel. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I want to for my family. Who's the backup guy? Can you run 100 yards or whatever it is? Okay, 30 yards, 20 yards, whatever it is. Oh, you think he's DeCoco? Yeah. He's the Bear Jew sidekick. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was Leon Rose that that Marion Cotillard won the uh, Oscar for, by the way. I'm going to be Landa, aren't I? Yeah. 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 I'm all right, but it's it's a great part. As long as you're not, because you've got Nazi tendencies. I'm like, no, man, that means my my son's a rabbi. (laughs) That's cool. I'm all good. No, yeah, yeah, no, it'd be a fun part to play. Yeah. Um... I don't I think I don't like think you're fast bendery enough, no. Ethan. He's not listening. No, but yeah, no, no, he just me. wants to be the bad Jew. Yeah, just yeah I want to be the bad Jew because yeah, Julian could be Nazis. Diane von Hammersmar. You could be like the big Hollywood star walking in there. <laughs> if, the, if the yeah. shoe fits, that's that's mom is always right. Media city blog <laughs> contributor, yeah, Julian. I I would totally. I mean, she's got great taste in shoes. She does. She's got so much money, she doesn't even have to remember them when she leaves. I just love that they made her cast. She does the right thing. The cast on her leg was up. Like they put a a heel heel. in the cast, which is is brilliant. She's obviously going to need to wear a heel the next day. That's great. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Favorite character. Favorite character. Georgia? Shoshona. She's great. Liam? Same. Shoshona. Love it. My, my, my Shoshona. <laughs> I just think that, you know, from the opening bit, you see her. I didn't realise that was her again until they'd say later on. Even if she didn't run into the trees, like an absolute idiot. But Wait, yeah. when, when she's first hanging up her, her stuff, you're not cluing it's the same woman? Because it says there's a title on the thing that, that says Shoshona, whatever her surname I'm was. still trying to read stuff. Yeah. It was a massive, it was one of the massive yeah. black and yellow subtitles. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> but and I it talked, said X I amount of years after they killed her. Four family. years later, yeah. Either way, either way I, I didn't realise until later on. And I went, okay, yeah, that's the same girl. I see. Um, but yeah, I like her. I like her way she is. I like I like the whole um, how she carries herself. How she's with 
Marcel, is it Marcel? Marcel. Yeah, uh, how she's driven, how she's, even when she's frightened, she still holds her composure. Um, yeah, she's a great character. Favourite by far. Ethan. Fassbender. I just, I oh, love his call. entire love. Yeah, he's good. He's got, like, I, I like him. Yeah, he's like, he's like the Bruce Willis in this film, where he's like, he's it's all about him for like 30 minutes, and then he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Is he the one that comes in because he can speak German and he knows the films? Yeah, he's the guy who gets the three and three mixed up. Because there's so many. Can you have another one? No. There's five (laughs) of us. Oh, uh, I'm going to mention him still, though. (laughs) Uh, My favorite is uh, Aldo Reigns, but I like it's it's hard. Well, Brad Pitt. I I love Brad Pitt in this. He's so good. Top billing. Yeah, he's good. Brad Pitt was amazing in this. He was, and, it, and you know, I, I'm not gonna say he's like he, he, he captured what how, how Americans see themselves when because I don't speak very all of America, question. but I feel like he did a really great job of acting out how I. I feel like a lot of Americans see themselves when they see themselves in American soldiers when like when they picture us going off to you know war or whatever this is they they picture this dude yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, I hadn't even considered that, but you've got that's this yeah, that's It's a very interesting thing cuz it's obviously been marketed or cast in a way in which every audience will have a character to sort of latch onto. Mm-hmm. if you're the french um or i think also as a representation of women or, or or a jewish community at large you've got shoshana yeah if you're english you can hang your hat on um magneto <laughs> <laughs> fastbender. fastbender thank you um if you're american obviously brad pitt and the and the titular bastards become who you hang your hat on there or maybe for some women your representation is diane kruger yeah yeah so really interesting actually yeah i hadn't considered that um my sort of person I, i'm gonna go ahead and take christoph waltz as the best character in the film yeah mm-hmm. it oh it's his film it's it's totally his film him and Shoshana. Yeah, but it's his film. Like yeah. the guy walks in, and he talks about milk for twenty minutes. You know he, what I mean? He, he commands the scene, every and I'm time on the, he's in it. and he's not a big, powerful orator. No, he's a master of the minute and the mundane. But that makes you find him so captivating. But also makes him so much more terrifying. Like his questions are so probing, but so polite. Yeah. But you're like the consequences are going to be unfathomable. He's very, very good. Yeah. My honourable mention? Yeah. Hugo. Oh, Hugo's cool. Hugo's brilliant. And the bear juice cool. Yeah. And yeah. I, I love him whenever he turns like full goodwill hunting. He's yeah. like, all right. Mike Myers. Mike Myers is great cameo. Yeah. Great cameo. Um, guy who played Hitler was very good. Mm-hmm. Guy who played Churchill was very good. You know what I mean? He was very good. Um, favorite moment. Favorite moment as long as I live. It's a Schneider Twain song. <laughs> <laughs> Georgia. From that moment. That's it. The, <laughs> From this moment. Yeah. The projection continuing to project on the white smoke after the screen is burnt down. Brilliant. Yeah. It's it brilliant. It's absolutely incredible because it's still black and white. And then, like, Julene says, the orange flames start to lick up through the smoke. And it's because she is, like, laughing demonically in the film. She is. Oh, and she's like their devil at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. brilliant. It's absolutely and incredible. It's funny that we did this after Pan because what I was trying to get at was 
you know, I think Landa's downfall is the same as, um, oh, whatever the whatever the army guy's name is. Oh, I can't, bugs me. I can't remember it now. Oh, um, Zola. What? The uh, army. Oh, uh, you don't mean Daniel Brew? Pan's Labyrinth? Oh, sorry. I misheard. <laughs> okay. Uh, but whatever the general's name is. Because mm. um, they both have this, in a, they both overlook women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if they just did what they should have done, their problems would have been gone. Yeah. So, um, yeah, interesting in in that. Liam. Her whole arc is, is brilliant. Oh, her arc's fantastic. Yeah. And it's the ultimate wish for film. It, like, yeah. what do we do? We have the Jews kill Hitler. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it <laughs> doesn't get much better than that. Literally, the Jew that, that was let escape because the man wasn't bothered by her. Yeah, but the one who had to watch her family get yeah. gunned. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Liam. For me, is the projection room. Uh, with what's the actor's name? Daniel oh, Brule. Yeah, him and Shoshana. Shoshana. Yeah, that bit because it's such a. I didn't see her going to shoot him, and I didn't see him going to shoot her. But the minute she puts the gun in her little purse, but there's that little. There's that. Yeah, but I didn't know it was going to be used then. There's that little. But bit, you know it's going to be used. Yes, yes. There's that little bit where she's gun. She's huh? Brett's gun. Chekhov's gun. Chekhov's gun. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a stage. The minute you see a gun on stage, you don't find fulfillment unless that gun gets fired. Liam, back to you. In moments, she's very tender in that scene, but she's also very cold. And you can see with him as well. Once she shot him, and he turns over and he shoots her, you can see that he's determined he's going to get her back. Mm -hmm. But there's also that moment where he didn't want to. Yep. You know, there's so much going on in that scene that. You know, shock value for me because I didn't expect her to die. Um, even though I've seen it twice now, mm-hmm. <laughs> I forgot that. Um, but yeah, I didn't know if that's going to be another one of those um, uh, thingy movies with uh, the Boston um, movie. The um, one I missed. Town? The town? No. Good Will Hunting. No. I have no one idea. Where everyone dies apart from one person. The Departed. Departed. Okay. I thought it was going to be one of them moments. The Boston movie. <laughs> <laughs> Not the town that we just did. No. Nah, that's the Boston, that's the Same Boston town, movie. different movie. The Boston movie. Uh, excellent. Uh, Ethan. Uh, this is no surprise, because I've said um, fast, but I, the, the bar scene is wonderful. I love the bar scene, I think, more than the opening scene, and I love the opening scene. It's yeah. so tense. And it's the, the again the one mistake that no one can think of except that, oh it's brilliant it's wonderful i love the dialogue you can't even cover for it if you're diane Kruger because it's a visual yeah. cue mm-hmm. not without giving yourself away for sure nope. yeah um julie um my favorite scene by far and you know what reverend bruce uh reached out to me too and he his scene is also his favorite scene is also my favorite scene. The the last scene where Christoph Waltz gets his where Come up where Han gets his because he thinks he's home free. We all think he's home free. Even even and even when the Aldo gets on the phone and is like when you get to the border, shoot him. Like somewhere in our heads we're still thinking, Oh, he's home free. And you think it's going to be a quick death? No, he he really like he makes it painful. He makes it hurt. 
and I love it. And the best bit about I that. I, sorry, Julian. The best huh? bit. The best bit about that scene is the fact that he's playing with the knife just before, and he's seeing how sharp it is. Oh, who? He's um, giving it back to him, doesn't uh, he? He like, asks for his knife back. Yeah, but yeah, yeah like oh, yeah. Hans was was playing with the knife in the he truck. Was playing with the knife in the truck, and he went, "Oh, that's sharp." Yeah. Thing. So yeah. What if it's an American need for justice? Maybe. Yeah, just interesting how different people are reading the film. Um, we've already talked about scenes, so I'm going to go for an element because I can't. I'll, I'll just talk about the same scenes we've already talked about multiple times. Cinematography overall, just fantastic in this film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that visual thing you said? That that pull, focus the pull. focus pull. Yeah, that, that was, was going to be mine specifically. There's some really lovely focus pulls. Like yeah, when that gun comes into shot yeah. when she goes to shoot. It's, it's, it's great. Composition, just cinematography in general. Where are we pointing the camera at? It's always the best place to point the camera. And, you know, if you want to go back to the scene that Julene's talking about, again, you have that shot from Hans's perspective looking up at them when he says it's his, it's his masterpiece. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's always the right shot at always the right time. Yeah. And I think it's fantastic. So I'm going to go with cinematography for sure. Uh, grumble. Grumble. Georgia. It's funny, like my own, one of my only grumbles about this is, is the cinematography pieces because I think you could have corrected that shot with the running into the woods. Because I think you can have, you could have shot that on a slight angle and have her run towards the woods. It doesn't look as good, but it just makes so much more sense. And I, it irked me because oh, really? like, okay. that just doesn't make sense. Like she would know that as someone who is on the run. She's just seen her family gunned down all around her. I know, but you kind of go like as someone who is on the run trying to escape gunshot, you'd, you'd think that would be like yeah. drummed into them. You don't run in the open field if you're being shot at. Like, she hasn't seen the YouTube video, 10 things not to do when you're being gunned <laughs> down by Nazis. <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> like, share, and subscribe. Oh, but also, that bit with the axe at the beginning, because, oh my goodness, <laughs> that is not how you chop wood. And if he's just, if he's, if there needed to be a smaller log on top of it that he was going So you tell me you have so an axe to grind with that scene. She I does. do have an axe to grind with that scene, because it just, oh, it got me. Yeah. But the thing was, that scene before then did get axed. So, <laughs> for me, uh, my grumble is all the reading. I don't do well with subtitles. Uh, especially when there's like action about to happen or something visual is about to be shown. I don't read quick enough and I miss bits um, when things are going on. I'd rather hear it in English sometimes. Oh, really? Than hear it in German because I know it's authentic to it, but for me, I find it difficult. You, you, you couldn't do the opening scene. No, them sort of bits I got because they were slow they paced. Were slow, yeah. Now we be talking like pirates are and they cannot tell what we are saying. <laughs> no, that was more slow paced. No, there is a definite there is a definite like access block, I think, for especially for some people that can't read as quickly as other people with films like this, where they use dialogue in other languages and then use subtitles. And these subtitles weren't the easiest to read either. So I think there is definitely a bit of an access block sometimes. Especially even I mean I'm not speaking for you, Liam, but like people that are like dyslexic and stuff can't access this film. I think not I, so, I think I saw right. all of this stuff. But even so, even like in no, some that's of really the... important. No, no, but okay, then we can't watch. Then okay, but we didn't say this when Pan was out. We didn't say, hey, well, there might be some dyslexic people trying to read Pan. I mean, okay, every foreign language film is going to have some of is going to have these issues. Yeah, it is comprehensively. Yeah, but like uh, the choice of subtitling is is important then as well. But yeah, like, yeah. In, like in some scenes, it was white writing over white bits of 
scenery did you notice during nation's pride there's a bit when the americans are speaking english and they've subtitled it in german for the german audience uh, in this theater. that's quite cool <laughs> i was like nice appreciate that yeah <laughs> um yeah that's fine um ethan i don't really have one i like i guess it's the same it's the same answer i really gave when we did django is quentin quentin tarantino being like i need to put the n-word in the film somewhere because it just felt weirdly I mean, this unnecessary. was really casual compared to the other films yeah this 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 felt weird it was just felt weirdly unnecessary like i already know they're nazis it was just a strange addition well they weren't saying it in english so is that the actual pronunciation i have no idea i have no idea yeah but it did feel like quentin's got to do it <laughs> yeah i didn't I didn't feel like they were saying the N-word as much as they were just saying a black person. Um, yeah, I, because, I think it's it's just so, their word for that in the actual literal translation. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know my German or my Italian or my French well enough. I feel I, well, I know in like French, that's the word for black. I don't like I don't know. I don't know Italian or German. So yeah. I don't know if that's the case. Yeah, me either. Um, but Ethan, I think you're admitting you're, you're uh, for the most part, you found a, a pretty hard time finding a fault with this film. Yeah, yeah, it's really difficult. Like, if if it's just the my my own my only issue with Quentin Quentin Tarantino, Good like catch. in general with his films, is that like overuse that sometimes feels like he's teetering he almost but always like, cast yeah. himself to do it too so yeah, yeah. That, that was that's my biggest issue with pulp fiction is that that coffee it's like someone's got to say it it's me you well if, if someone's gonna say it i should be the ones i yeah. don't know if it works that way <laughs> <laughs> and i say that and i love i love um uh not i hate for late and that that's like let's ramp that up to 700 yeah it's the samuel jackson factor <laughs> yeah. isn't it Oh, uh, Julian, do you have a grumble on this film? Um, to be honest, no, not really. I mean, I had a hard time. Again, I also had a hard time finding anything, any fault with this film. If I had one grumble, it would probably be that the sound's not consistent throughout. Like some parts are really quiet and then some parts are a little bit louder as far as like the audio goes. And I don't know. And I don't know if that's intentional. So yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm curious. We how are you watching this? We're watching this on a big screen TV. We were watching this on a portable device with some headphones. How are you watching it? The phone on the phone. Head so it, I was streaming ear, it on my phone. Earbuds the, or no? Uh, my my studio headphones. headphones. Yeah, I'm just curious because yeah. obviously, I mean, whenever you listen to something with headphones, I mean, you pick up so much more. You do, yeah. Mm. Like my argument is that if you ever listen to the Beatles, you shouldn't be allowed to listen to the Beatles unless you're listening to it through through stereo headphones because it's a totally yeah. different experience. And Pink Floyd, yeah. People who are like going here's stereo, it's something new. Okay. What can we do with this? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, fantastic. I, I hate listening to Here Comes the Sun now because uh, there's a video. I think it's by like this by someone's like every like listening to a Beatles song with one headphone. Oh, you lose half it, of it. Yeah, it's like. Sky with diamonds. Yeah. <laughs> I used to get um, we used to get these headphones, and uh, it would be like dollar store headphones. Mm-hmm. So you know they cost like a dollar or two, <laughs> and you'd plug them in, and clearly it was mono headphones is all it was. So you'd listen to it, and you'd do like the Beatles, you know, um, a day in the life, mm-hmm. and you'd hear the alarm clock, bump, 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 and you should be hearing woke up, 
got out of bed. But here's bum 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 That's brilliant. Julian. So you you said the dollar store, right? Yeah. Is it true that in England there's a store it's called not, Poundtown? It's not called Poundtown. I, I, I addressed this. Poundland. With, uh, with, it's Poundland, and someone has taken it and uh, photoshopped it because Poundtown is like an urban dictionary. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, you can probably imagine what it's referring yeah, to. Yeah. So Poundland like is a couple pound stores, but I don't think any of them are Poundland. No, it's not. Poundtown it's even. not Poundtown, but we have Poundland. Yeah. We have had Pound World in the past, yeah. though. So that's yeah. much. No, more. I saw that Pound, that's some stretcher if you well. look they've 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 the second half of it doesn't line up centrally with the pound because it, it just doesn't so you can tell it's been done it's a very good one but yeah this we're is not some that. anti-british propaganda yeah <laughs> um my worst part of the film i don't think i have a worst part of the film i think it's a pretty solid film all the way through it's pretty solid it's definitely damning with faint praise it, it, it's a great film all the way through um no, I mean, oh, I guess if I had a small one, it's clear stuff's been cut. Yes, yeah, it is. And if you look at it, you're going, I think Mars, I would like to see more of Marcel and Susanna's relationship. Mm. Why is BJ Novak in the truck? Yeah. Is he waiting? Was he the one waiting for Monica Rambo on the other side of the hill? <laughs> <laughs> they found him and threw him in the truck? I don't even, know. Even in the bar, there's a bit where the German uh, with the Maximilian kid, he's he's behind them at one point, and then they're all sat back. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah, very... so, you know, I, I think some stuff got got left on the cutting room floor. Sam Levine's role almost entirely got cut. That's a shame. I like Sam Levine. So, but there's just, I mean, the Bastards as a whole were kind of, here's the two you should care about, and there's yeah. just a bunch of guys named, like, him. Like, okay, I appreciate you gave BJ Novak a few lines where he complained about being called the little guy. I didn't really make up for a movie where he did nothing. No. So. But also, we hadn't ever re- heard him referred to as the little guy beforehand. Or, at e- all. or even his name. No. No. So, it didn't so, make any it, sense. so I wasn't even, like, at no They're trying to portray him like he was, like, Brad Pitt's sidekick. And he just wasn't. And he, he wasn't present the whole, like, he was there, yeah. but he was, like, in the background of every shot. Mm. He's he he's not really there until like the final thirty minutes. Like, like he gets to be in the final shot, which is like, hey, that's yeah. worth for time off off the office. But I'm like, ah, so yeah, that's a very minor grumble. Is the idea of it? But what was there, I really really like. But I just thought there's obviously elements they just couldn't get rid of every all the evidence, I guess, mm-hmm. of these cuts, and so that's where that is. Um, what should have been on the soundtrack that it wasn't? No, I'm gonna uh. throw my first recommendation. Ellie Golding, burn. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that made it into the States or not, but, and you gotta let it burn, 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 burn. You gotta let it burn, burn. Uh, Somebody call 911. Duran Duran, girls on film. (laughs) (laughs) Girls on film. Nice. Um, And just because you, you know, they, they could have put some up in the up around the cinema, but you could have had something in German with a 99 Don Luft balloons. <laughs> <laughs> Lady in Red. Lady in Red. Good one. Mm. The high school musical song is like, bada, hey, bada, bada, hey, bada, bada, swing, whenever the bad dude comes on screen. <laughs> so rather than have the big thing where he's hitting it, you just have that, hey, bada, bada, hey, bada, bada, swing. That's High School Musical 2. I can tell you it's the second one. Yeah. That's how much I know that trilogy. What's it called? I Don't Dance. 
I, well, yeah, I don't dance. Yeah. Don't ask me. Not a chance. There is a I weird subgenre so, yeah, of people. Are there any songs about threes? That is a gay song. Threes. Um, I don't know, but we've got old MacDonald had ABC's a farm. ABC's easy as one, two, two three. three. Yeah. <laughs> and on that farm, he had a cow. <laughs> there we go. Digitalized cow. So, CGI yeah, so, oh, oh, I'm never going to dance again. <laughs> <laughs> Shot through the leg. <laughs> You're too for the str- sorry, I've got Julie in there. For the strangling scene, we hear the little don't stand so close to me. <laughs> <laughs> or anything by the stranglers oh jeez yeah so there we go not 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 too shabby uh maybe overall it's the end of the world as we know it and i feel fine oh, good one yeah. or okay here's the last one the very last image brian adams it cuts like a knife <laughs> <laughs> all right there's our there's our fantasy soundtrack Sign for the film. your name across my head <laughs> <laughs> uh, i think it's time georgia to go ahead and uh while you're getting ready for that i think i think we should do ethan first so yeah. i never want to hurt my age what's my age again what's my age again i tried to get moonlight social to do that in german first this week but uh, they went nine <laughs> uh ethan what do we got so we've got brad pitt lieutenant Aldo oh. he's deceptively old 37 44 50 Julie Um I think I'm going to go with You said you guys have been guessing in the 40s and 50s I said 37 Just like 30 All right uh, <laughs> Liam did you say 44 Yeah you're one off. He's forty five. Whoa! Oh, wow. wow. Why do I think he was so much older than that? Okay. <laughs> he's in his six. I think he's reached sixty now, or he's like fifty nine. Yeah, wow. maybe. Yeah. Uh, Christoph Waltz, Mister Lander, sixty three, forty eight, fifty two, forties, fifty sixties, fifty. Liam's right, fifty two. Wow, Woo! I'm on fire. It's a Liam week. <laughs> Uh, we have Mel- Melanie Laron. Shoshana. Uh, Shoshana, Shoshana, yeah. Shoshana. Uh, 26. 30. 28. Georgia nearly got it. 25. Okay. Ooh. She's playing 22, 23, so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Daniel Bruhl, Mr. Lighty McQueen. Uh, Which one is he? Sorry, bud. He's the war hero. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, pride. Oh, oh, Rush. Go on, yeah. 24. 34. Yeah. 28. 25. 30. Wow. Who said 28? Who was that? Was it you? It's a Liam. It's a Liam week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Diane Kruger. So uh, oh, the, the actress. The actress. Strangle Can I say actress. she's a beautiful woman? She is. Jeez. Yeah. Like, the kind of girl I just want to like hang out and have a pint with. Absolutely. Yeah, 36. 45. Uh, 33. 32. Ooh. Ah, Julian. Julian. Yeah. Well done. And then finally, the bear drew himself, Eli Roth. All right. 32. He put on like 25 pounds of muscle for this. Really? Really? Yeah. 34. 40. 38. 
36. Ooh. Halfway between 34 and 34. Yeah, Who was yeah, that? 34. I got half a point this time. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a pretty good run until this week. I win. You definitely won. Well done. Well done. Uh, Georgia, we need some critics. The good, the bad, and the eaves. Yeah, so we have got, we have, well, we've got the bad, the good, and the eaves this week. So we have got Kenneth Turin from the Los Angeles Times who says, clocking in at 2 hours and 32 minutes is unforgivably leisurely, almost glacial. A film that loses its way in the thickets of alternative history and manages to be violent without the start to finish energy that violence on screen usually guarantees so you started with a bad one yeah yeah i said that i I, I was missed that so i was busy setting some other things up um jeez um not a fan pacing i thought the pacing was really good in this film you ever thought it was very slow i really liked it it needed to be slow in certain places though didn't it it need to it need to burn didn't it yeah, I didn't because sit there at any point going, are we done yet? I was, oh, no, I was, no, I was no, really no. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Next one. It was just right. Yeah. Next one is Michael Phillips for the Chicago Tribune, who says, I don't know if I've ever seen a revenge fantasy so willfully messed up, sometimes offensively so, that still manages to be worthwhile for whole sections of its two and a half hours. The opening is as good a sequence as Tarantino has ever created. Wow. Yep. And then finally, we've got our good friend Roger Ebert, Ebs. who says Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards is big, bold, audacious war movie that will annoy some, startle others, and demonstrate once again that he's the real thing. A director of quixotic delights. Wow. Ooh. I don't know what that word means. I think but, he, ooh. yeah, it made his top 10 list. I know that much. It was his it was fifth, four out of four. Yeah, his fifth best movie of that year. Yeah. So wow. yeah, he really wow, rated wow. it. Wow. Uh, excellent. Thank you very much. As you're looking up the Patreon sort of voice, uh, I'll let out the results of our weekly poll. Uh, was it a great film, a good film, an okay film, or a poor film? 62 votes came in. 60% called this a great film. 23% called it a good film. 17%, sorry, 16% called it an okay film. And one person had the audacity to call this a bad film. (laughs) (laughs) To which point, if you're that one person, Show thyself. <laughs> this is what you're going to say. How is, show up. how is this a bad? I want to know. Like, get a hold of me. How is this a bad film? If you don't like violent, what movies, is bad? Right, but is the idea, is the, what, what's bad about it, though? Is it just I don't like it? I should imagine so. Yeah. All right. Probably. What's yeah. bad about seeing some Nazis get turned into liquid? Yeah. Okay. If, hopefully, if you don't like it, just just. Just get a hold of me and say, I don't like Tarantino full stop. Because otherwise, I'm just going to be like, if you're like, yeah, I really liked Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but wasn't feeling Inglorious Bastards, I'd be like, get out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do we got for the Patreon? Not including Julie. Yeah, so we have got Cheesy. With a fish, fish on, on our, our bike. bike. He says, this was actually the first Tarantino film I watched in the cinema, but I don't really oh. remember much from that first viewing. Since then, wow, what can I say? From the opening scene, Tarantino manages to make the mood tense, then drip feed bits of information through the charismatic Hans Lander until it hits its crescendo. Every scene had me on the edge of my seat as it in- unfolds into very organized chaos every part was played brilliantly but waltz i feel steals the show he's charismatic yet menacing leading everyone he meets into a false sense of security but he's always one step ahead of the game until the end tarantino does well to get across the seriousness of war whilst also adding comedic elements it might be ridiculous but brad pitt speaking italian in that southern drawl had me in stitches (laughs) the way the film intertwines its different stories without making it too complicated to follow is excellent and there's a jeopardy jeopardy that every character introduced might not last that long overall this is one of my favorite tarantino films and i think he sums it up best through aldo that apache saying i think this might just be my masterpiece 
Oh. Always good when Cheesy jumps in there. Fantastic. Well done. Yeah. Uh, interesting thought. I never thought about the first um, Tarantino film I saw at the cinema. For me, it was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah? I think I was the same. Because I shouldn't have been behind the loop on all of them. I've yeah, caught up yeah, on most of yeah, them, but yeah. I've never... He's yeah. never been a rush out and go see it in the cinema guy for me. Nope. I don't think I've ever seen it, Tarantino, because obviously I, I Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was the first film I was able to actually see it at cinema because they're all 18. And did you um, see it? No, I okay. waited until it came out on DVD, I think. Julian, do you remember what your first Tarantino cinema experience was? I never got to see a yeah. Tarantino it's film weird, in the theater because... Yeah. Because it was rated R, and our theaters, the our theaters were not playing with us, and they were tired of. I think it also speaks. I mean, Tarantino's usually <laughs> rocking around a thirty million dollar budget, and that's not a whole lot of room for, for for marketing. So usually, you sort of heard it was on, but you're just being bombarded by everything else. Yeah, yeah. All right, next up. Uh, next up, we've got Hermes, who says another instant classic, and probably in the top three from Tarantino. There's no wonder why. Walt- oh yeah blew up after this the opening farm scene might be one of the scariest best executed and truly beautiful pieces of film out there but with the entire film being nothing but near perfect scene at perfect scene after near perfect scene this is one to behold julian sure knows how to pick them can't wait to listen to this one (laughs) yeah whatever he's all team ethan he can who was that (laughs) (laughs) no he's he's tesum ethan yeah he is tesim ethan (laughs) can't even get his own hashtag right Jeez, look at that not ethan but uh hermes of course (laughs) trying to wind me up next up next up we have who's who's the much more interesting person who's coming up next nate the great no i love nate the great (laughs) he says one of tarantino's most brilliantly crafted films ever the characters are fun certain scenes have a surprising amount of tension for a tarantino movie and we got one of the best performances ever from christoph waltz when tarantino chooses to do revisionist history he knocks it out of the park every chance i get to watch glorious bastards i take it and i love it every time good shout good shout cheesy then we have got that was nate nate oh nate of course i'm sorry nate (laughs) authentically i'm just gonna drop i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) then we have got andy dixon who says really enjoyed the film with a bike on a fish (laughs) 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 really enjoyed the film it is one film you need to make sure that you pay attention to at all times due to the language switch and subtitles. I did think it was a bit more chaotic and didn't follow the conventional story either. Uh, Pitt was good, but Walt stole the show. I really enjoyed the film, but it is not one that I watch that I feel has has a rewatch ability without being in a certain mood. Finally, how easier would the war have been if it ended the way the film had portrayed? It's much more satisfying than just he was oh, in a yeah. bunker and we found him dead. Yeah, because he his took own his own life. life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of like there was the coward's way out, but at the same point, paste is just so satisfying. Hitler paste, yeah. Or did he end yeah. up in Argentina? Who knows? Oh, what, eating beans. <laughs> <laughs> Next, uh, finally, we've got Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. Said, yes, oh yeah. Dwayne. Well done, <laughs> He says, I waited. (laughs) (laughs) See, Dwayne, people just want to come on the the pod just to do this. Uh, He says, I'm a massive Tarantino fan, so very happy that Julian picked this. Wait, how? One second. Why don't we have just like a Dwayne Smith like shouting t shirt? How is that not a thing yet? <laughs> people, little, people, like a it, megaphone. It just says, yeah, it just says Dwayne Smith. You're yeah. like, what? It's probably think it's like some sort of like a little little indie band. <laughs> 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 Hashtag who is Dwayne Smith. <laughs> <laughs> 
we would probably have to get Dwayne Smith's permission for that. Dwayne, can we make a shirt? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm a massive Tarantino fan, so I'm very happy Julian picked this. It had been a while since I'd last watched it, so I gave it a rewatch on Friday. I'd forgotten just how few scenes there are. Each one is its own yeah. little story, compelling and integral to the overall narrative. It does feel slightly different to his previous films, but it's still incredibly Tarantino. I love the dialogue heavy stuff, and this one fits that bracket. Christoph Waltz deserved his Oscar for his performances colonel hans lander he portrays calm and friendly with an undertone of menace so expertly throughout it's so cold and terrifying but you have to applaud his genius he delivers tarantino's words i imagine exactly as he had intended i had forgotten just how much centers around the cinema plot but it serves as an excellent climax with so much tension it leaves you squirming in your seat as much as the first scene does brad pitt is also brilliant i love all the bastards this is one of tarantino's best Dwayne Smith bringing it this week too. That's well very done, good. Yeah, I mean it's it's weird to think Brad Pitt, the same guy who's like Arriva Derchi, is <laughs> is the guy who does. I mean that speech where he's like, "I'm about killing Nazis." Like that's a great scene, and it's it's one shot. Mm-hmm. It's a long take as yeah. he goes back and forth. So I'm like, like he. Every one of you owes me a hundred Nazi scalps, and I want my Nazi scalps. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like he's so versatile in this film you need comedy i'll give you comedy you want like you know just like don't don't f with me i can give you that for this one too like he's just so good all right thank you very much everybody from our patreon um the friends of the podcast uh quick look around at people who uh from the legend fandom josh your next favorite movie i'm gonna be if you're listening to this day of release i'm on your next favorite movie today hey. fish Ooh. called wanda Oh, good film. film. Good film. Good film. So if you're sitting there going, what do you mean a good film? Go check out. It's 15 to 20 minutes. Go check out A Fish Called Wanda. Not the movie, but me on your next favorite movie. John Cleese. John Cleese. Jamie Lee Curtis. Kevin Klein. Yeah, Kevin Klein. I was going to say, that's Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah. Michael Palin. Really? Yep. A cameo from a very young Stephen Fry. Oh, wow. Yeah. So go check that out. It is a riot. Um... Check the film out, or if you want to hear me talk about why I love it so much, check out Josh' next favorite movie, as he's been very kind. This is the end of uh, Best Month Ever 2, Best Month Boogaloo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to get him on. for. It, it, unfortunately, our schedules don't line up where he can come on. For us, it's the evening when we record. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. work with his work schedule, unfortunately. But uh, uh, Josh, let me know when you're going to see something in the cinema. I'll go see the same thing and have you on for a seat or skip it or something like that. I'll get up at stupid o'clock in the morning. That's fine. Let's let's make that happen because we really appreciate Josh having us on. We do again. Thank you very much. And the only person to have us all three of us on, four of us, four of us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we haven't told Ethan yet. <laughs> oh, sorry, Ethan. I was just doing the quick. Did it never come out? Best Aww. month, but best month. I'm told best month ever. Three best month with a vengeance. Ooh. I'm told next year. So there Yay. we go. Oh wow. So start thinking about whatever Travolta film you're bringing again. <laughs> anyway, he says, I love all of Tarantino, but I don't have this one as high as most do, but that opening may be the best opening scene of all time. Fully agree, Josh. Waltz is fantastic, and Pitt seems to be having a blast here. Definitely worthy of the BFE treatment. Carlo goes, oh, nice. Great film. Probably my number three from Tarantino. The script and the performances are great, especially Christoph Waltz, who's one of my favorite performances ever. His Hans Landa is both funny and terrifying, the kind of villain you can't stop watching. Like his other films, Tarantino provides his talent of creating incredibly tense scenes around by witty and well-written conversations most people bring up the opening which is a great scene but he also does it in the basement bar and most scenes between landa and others shoot the flick says great performance all around in this one but not one of my favorite tarantino movies nate the great said who said poor because you're just wrong (laughs) sorry not sorry fully with you 
Our friends over at Scriptical say, I would say weird film. With the presence that it's about a historical event, and then in the end is an obvious what if. It feels like a movie that has had the Scriptical treatment. Oh, I see what you did there. You promoted your own pod in your response. <laughs> <laughs> noted <laughs> a bigger movie pod says great film the opening scene is pure brilliance p.s keep up the great work you have with the pod you're bloody amazing on season three we have to have you on we'll make sure no mess ups with recording schedules sorry i think that's the one i was talking about <laughs> thanks matt no hard feelings buddy and he's the gift that's a bingo yes it is uh, ed from the film effect this is top three tarantino for me everyone's doing like their top three tarantino uh, i love this film so much everything from the writing to the cinematography to the performances themselves with Bowie's cat people. Uh, everything about this film simply works, but there's no other scene like the extended sequence at La Louisiane. And uh, Nostalgia Casco, we talk about Tarantino and Bastards in our upcoming episode on Pulp Fiction. Respect the promo. Uh, so I don't want to spoil too much. It was said, I don't think QT's unbridled gift for dialogue has ever been more cinematic, which is kind of a miracle since dialogue is inherently not cinematic and then finally filler maverick instinct says his best film mm. i'm assuming he means tarantino and not his <laughs> all right so that is what they thought the question now is what did we think about inglorious bastards let's start with oh no we haven't talked about it. oh my word we need to talk about this roll of women Yes. We have we we haven't talked about Roller Women yet. That's a BFE staple. My my, my usual laptop's in the shop, Julian, so I don't have my usual format <laughs> sheet in front of me. Uh, so I'm trying to do this from memory. We haven't done Roller Women, and that would be a mistake. Uh, Georgia, Julian, what are your thoughts on this? Julian, take the floor. Go for it. I I think the Roller Women is strong in this. I mean, one woman burns a theater down with the head of the Third Reich in it, and then the other woman is a spy. And gives the soldiers the information they need to know that they're going to be there. So, I mean, female spy, female badass burning stuff down. I mean, and I think it's quite symbolic that she burned down the leaders of the Third Reich. It's like she's burning down the regime, burning down what they stand for, too. Because if you look in the scenes, too the nazi flags are burning too yeah. like you see all the nazi flags and yeah. propaganda just burning with the theater that one that falls that big metal one that falls <laughs> brilliant not supposed to fall the fire got out of control and it melted the steel cable and it fell but it worked brilliant oh yeah but like they almost all died <laughs> so yeah like like that's one of those things where like the uni- I mean, the universe gives you one in the sense that every, every, every was okay so that's good so it gave them a better shot than they were hoping for but only because like, it got so out By of control. Luck. Yeah. Yeah. Very lucky. Yeah. Like we talk about, what was that guy who uh, directed Eddie Murphy wouldn't talk to him anymore because a kid died on the set of, uh, yeah. John Landis, John Landis. Yeah. Oh, where, yeah like, the helicopter, the helicopter killed the kid yeah. on the set. Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone movie. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And so like these things can happen and Tarantino. Oh yeah, yeah. And Tarantino was was this close to like having his name on one of those like disaster things, you know yeah, what I mean? So yeah, thankfully yeah. it didn't happen and everybody was okay. The Landis's are just a horrible Hollywood family. Yeah. Um Roll of Women, is there have, have you yeah, no, seen covered it? I think it's 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 brilliant. If I can- it's so nice to see the 
the the you've shown is especially her story arc is just is beautiful i love it i think it's really well done okay now here's why you guys are wrong i'm joking you're not wrong <laughs> <laughs> plus that's man's plan uh, no but my, what i want to add to what you guys have said is um, how i do my three yes <laughs> The the uh, the the agency that Shoshana has, where she tells Marcel they're going to burn it down, and yeah. they know if ands or buts, we're doing this. Yeah, and then also Diane Kruger's the one who shoots um, the Maximilian's dad. Maximilian's dad, and yeah. we think, and she's bang bang bang, and she's cold, and she plays that femininity. No, this guy, we can't have any witnesses. Yeah. Like, and as the audience, she kind of talks us into going. Because the romanticism of he just had a baby, da yeah, da da yeah. da da, and no, like she's like, we can't have a witness. My cover can't be blown. No, exactly, yeah. yeah. And I think that that's a wonderful strength rather than go down that female mate matronly maternal yeah, yeah, yeah. thing yes it's, it's a lovely shift in no, what's usual in these sorts of it's in this time frame in this sort of film and i think it's brilliant yeah no i think it's fantastic uh, yeah and and i love how she plays up the femininity the what people the, stere- uses the stereotype it, yeah. she plays it to a t just to just murder someone in cold blood yep. just like it's like that that um ditzy the ditzy stereotype ditzy blonde film star who just her costume yeah that's her costume yeah and i love it as does shoshana in the projection room shoshana's yeah. great because when she finally goes okay no he's gonna go ahead and oh you big straw okay lock the door big boy and he's like all right yep. bang 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 <laughs> yeah it's brilliant and then her weakness is that she still can that's okay she too that's yeah. okay too yeah. you know what yeah. i mean like oh so yeah really really liked it so why she's my favorite character Oh, like if if I had a second place, yeah. if, if I'm doing like everybody else with their top three Tarantino films. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's like she's my second favorite character, hands down. Like I was sitting there going, do I like her better than? Because I remember him being great. I don't remember her being great from when I've watched it previously. Yeah, I think if anything, doing this pod has made me pay more attention to female actors mm-hmm. and their performances and how we're representing them. And I think that's a big thing. For me, and maybe it's because growing up, I just naturally identify with male protagonists and didn't pay as much attention. I think now I, I just able to look a bit more objectively at films and just go, wow, that was really, really good. In the same way that I loved Baby last week for a whole different variety of reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I honestly thought when she turned him over that she was turning him over to get the double tap. Like I thought he she was going to give him the double tap. What does I that mean? I think she was going to like. Bang bang! Uh, oh, make sure he's gone. Yeah, I okay. thought she was gonna, you know, give him the little double tap to the head, you know, zombie film style. But uh, <laughs> scream, make sure he's not not my movie. Bang bang! <laughs> they always come back yeah. for one last scare. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, now Georgia. Now that we've done that. Rating time. Yes. Um. I think it's a brilliant film. I think it's expertly right, okay. made. I think it's very very good. Obviously, there are scenes where I didn't watch because they're a bit too visceral for me, and that's that's fine i'm not necessarily going to hold that against the film because just because it's not what i want to watch if that makes sense but like i yeah i think it's brilliant i can't give it a perfect score though because i didn't massively enjoy it i think (laughs) (laughs) i really liked the film no no no, i didn't massively enjoy it (laughs) i think it's it's brilliant it's very well made it's like expertly done the acting throughout is great the story is great but it just just it just didn't make it didn't make me feel anything massively either way okay so so with that i'm kind of stuck between two because i'm going it is it is amazing and objectively it's 
close to perfect so where do you kind of put a film like that that you just didn't necessarily enjoy i think personal engagement has to factor into it and, 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 yeah. and not in a small way not in a small way so while you can still appreciate as a, as, as as a film product you go i like this i like this i like this i like this imagine it's like going out on a date where like you're a great guy you're a great girl yeah. i'm just not feeling a spark mm-hmm. yeah and mm. so you go, I can't give you... An, That's exactly what I can't was. give you a t- nine and a half or a ten and a ten because if, I, if, if it was, I'd be clicking yes for another day, please, or whatever the case <laughs> might be. But th- th- that's not what this is, so... Mm. Do you want us to leave it with you for a minute and come back? No, I think I'm there. Okay. I think I am going to go with eight and a half revenge homicides okay. out of ten. Uh, cool. Liam? Like, like Georgia, I don't engage with this film as much as i probably should a because i found it hard reading all the subtitles and trying to find out what's going on through the scenes um maybe a third fourth watch getting familiar with the story i don't have to read all the subtitles so much so the bits i missed visually because i'm a visual person i'd probably enjoy it more i don't like the grotesqueness of it i'm not into seeing someone's face being blown apart and stuff like that and the knife going through the head. Ugh. Um, but, you know, cinematography, brilliant. Editing, yeah, a bit janky at times. Using the Ethan word again. Um, what, where's that janky word come from? Disjointed. Can Dis- we? Let, let's, let's, let's raise the bar, shall we? <laughs> Disjointed editing. Um, so for me, I, I, I love the lead female, both lead female or supporting females. Yep. Um, I'd say she's a lead and Diane Kruger's a supporter. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love both of those. Um, and the men, of course, doing their bits. Um, but everyone says about those. So for me, it's going to be an eight, size eight red dress. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had you 100% down on that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I could yeah. feel where that was going. Uh, Ethan. I I really like this film. It, it might be the saddest. It's where you pull in Georgia and go, but I didn't enjoy yeah, it. I, my opening words were, "It's a very good." Oh, film. is that okay? Not, I'm sorry. Go not, ahead. I really buddy. liked it. Now I don't really like it. I'm not quite that bipolar. <laughs> I really like it, and it's probably the satisfaction of getting to watch Nazis just get turned into source because that's just a beautiful thing to see on film. But the film's great itself. The music, I love, I love the the, the Morricone music from somewhere else. I really yeah. like the characters. I love the scenes. The writing's perfect. I love it. I love it. Little plays, the little plays that that follow each other, and I think they're great. Um, so with that in mind. Uh, I would I would have loved to see more. I really wish stuff didn't get left on the room floor. So I'm giving this nine and a half Gorlamis out of ten. <laughs> Gorlami. Gorlami. Julene. Uh, I'm gonna give it I'm giving it nine lost shoes out of ten. <laughs> Very succinct. Nine lost shoes out of ten. Um I think it's a very well made film. Yeah. And I really, really liked it. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's hard. Uh, when people, people when saying top three uh, Tarantino film, yada, 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 I really pivot back and forth. You, you ask me one day, I'll say this. You ask me another day, I'll say Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Those really are my, my, my two. Little known fact, just playing awesome in that uh, Liam was saying earlier, um, Tarantino never bothered to learn the, the translations. So when he was directing, he just did it on instinct. Ah, uh, okay. So he didn't actually know what they were saying, like, like on a pure semantic level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just kind of was just like, at the end of the, okay, that's good. The, the emotion feels like it's right. Cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's really interesting, I think. Yeah. Um, 
and it's incredibly well directed for once he he managed to resist that sort of indulgency to put himself in his own film um Apart from the beginning <laughs> oh except for that yeah i'm fine with like, i'm fine with like a little background cameo yeah, 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 yeah. uh it's great it's got some fantastic i mean anytime you've got two all-time great scenes in one movie i mean what more can you do it just loses a little something because i don't quite carry it with me the way that i do those all-time great films mm-hmm. it's not that but it's ever so close so i'm going to give this nine and a half scalps that i still owe the apache out of 10 <laughs> i called that did you yeah yeah i thought ethan would go pretty much the same as me as well so there yeah. we go so uh we just have to find out who's the voice of the people i know it's not me i would imagine georgia is the voice of the people this week but we will see on that actually in fact it's bang between us it was nine nine oh, nine yeah, nine. yeah. No, no no we had <laughs> we had two tens or really, who else gave it tens? Out of curiosity, do we know? Uh, While I look that up, I'll say I'll say it's eight point. It, <laughs> future reference, I probably will ask. Uh, so actually, it's uh, Julene was the voice of the people because well, she gave it a nine and they gave it a nine. Eight point yeah. nine two overall. It's one of our very highest films. Uh, I imagine this yep. is up there with. It's higher than the hate you give. It's going to be higher than. It's not quite the prestige. Higher than Django. So, out of curiosity, are, 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 is it better than Django in your head? Just a simple yes, no? Or do you go, yeah, this is better? Yeah. Liam? I prefer Django. Did you? Yeah. Ethan? Oh, I I prefer the smiles over Django, and I like Django a lot. Julian? I like this one better. Yeah, for me, it's not it's not even close. I don't know why that is. Um, I guess the ultimate wish fulfillment. <laughs> Maybe. The, the, the the first time I watched it, I went, they killed Hitler. Like it was like this. It was like this. I had this concrete rule in my head. Well, we have to get him. It's like when you watch. Uh, what did I watch with Tom Cruise in it? Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. And so the plot to blow up Hitler. And you're like, well, it's clearly not going to work. And it does it. And you want it to. Mm-hmm. In the same way that you don't want Romeo and Juliet to die in Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, or you yeah, don't yeah. want Anakin to turn bad in the prequels and Star Wars. But eventually, you know, they have to take it away from you. And then when they actually killed him, I went, wait, I'm actually getting what I want? <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> what? Huh? The best so, wish, wish for film ever. It is the best film for wish for film ever. So that is that. Uh, who gave it 10 to the curiosity? Uh, so Cheesy did. And so did Hermes. Now, remember, we don't allow half marks they might have gone nine and a half if given the choice yeah um yeah because it was tempting to go 10 for me on this one but it's just not quite that just not quite which speaking of not quite that i'm sure liam will be bringing me something that won't be quite that because we got to talk about what we're doing next week so i'm queuing georgia to start her phone now liam didn't know when he sat down to start today i want remember you get the film next week oh that's right (laughs) and then he went i've got down to two and i'm like i'm sure i won't know what it is or i'll be like all right so i'm very curious it'll be liam next week georgia next week so she's ready to go for that but what is it for next week buddy well i'm still tossing and turning between two films one's (laughs) pre-1970 of course you can only name one (laughs) and the other one is in like pretty recent well i say recent in the last 10 years um do you know what? I'm going to pull the trigger on the chamber. Wait, you really? I'm going to pull it. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I thought you were doing that next year, you said. Yeah, I know. Okay, here we go. Oh, three billboards just outside Epping, Missouri. <laughs> three billboards outside. Outside. Epping, Missouri. Epping, Missouri. Oh, I was talking about how much I love this film the other day. <sighs> heavy, heavy film. Heavy film, <laughs> very 
powerful themes. Very powerful. Now, it's interesting. I talked about carrying a film with you. Mm-hmm. I carried this film with me. I'm still carrying this yeah. film with me. So it's not it's nearly, it's not gruesome. It's not gruesome. Yeah, I know. I've just heard things. Oh, okay. But there's humor <laughs> in darkness. No, there's, uh, it's, there's, it's got an Academy Award winning turn from Francis McDermott in it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you want a strong I'm, female performance? Oh, oh, wait and one of my favorite uh, Sam Rockwell's too. Yeah. Sam Rockwell's very, yeah, Woody Harrelson's very good. He deserved the Oscar for that, didn't he? Yeah. He's in, um, oh, uh, Tyrion Lannister. He's in that as well for a bit. Too. Peter Dinklage, yep. Yeah. He's got a spot in that. So. so next week, wow, three billboards outside every Missouri. I thought the Prestige were going to sweep the besties. It's going to be. Yeah, me too. It's, 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 it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a tough one. Do you know what? Jeez, I honestly didn't think I was so going to pick hot. it. You're not quitting the pod, all right? <laughs> as long as you had that in the chamber, I was like, he ain't going anywhere. Liam's been waiting for this one for a long time. Long time. All right. So, yeah. There we are. You wait till my backup. I'm, I'm Googling it because I've never heard of it. Three bell. Oh, wow. It's powerful. So, You're going to have a good time. With that was one. the year that The Shape of Water won Best Picture, and it kind of determined what kind of film, um, film person you were. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you're a visual storyteller... Uh, you really liked The Shape of Water, so something that Georgia would really appeal to. You, yeah, I watched Guillermo del Toro. You went yeah, saw it, didn't yeah. you? Whereas uh, if you're into, I mean, if you want dialogue, I mean, this is this is my dream of a movie as far as characters talking to each other oh. and big ideas and themes. It's not so much about action. It's about it's about why the characters feel the way they do and how do you express that and what is that? Oh, it's And great. how you deal with these yeah. characters. Mm. So we'll leave that for next week. It's not... It's, it's, it is a feel good movie, but it take, uh, but it, it takes, takes a journey getting there. It's a journey, yeah, yeah, it's a journey. So I remember I saw this. I was a double feature. I saw this and Shape of War in the same day. Bloody hell! I was going to watch that and Black Panther in the same day, and then my friend Ethan got a hold of me <laughs> and said, "I'm snowed in Ely," and I was like, or he went on Facebook, and I went, "I can come get you," because I was in Wiz. Yeah, I was in Wiz Beach, and I was like, I'm not, uh, it's, uh, you know, though it's been, the whole country got shut down for three days, Julian, with snow. Yeah. But by day three, it was really just like the back roads and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. when Ethan said he got, he got hit, uh, I was like, well, I can come get you, because we had rehearsal that night. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, no problem. I'll just see Black Panther another time. And that's what happened. Yeah. We had a good talk about that film on, on, on like, the car back. Which one? Three, three billboards? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. brilliant. I don't remember. So you'll get a little bit of that conversation. <laughs> Right here next week. Yeah. Wow. Bringing but out the big guns. Does it? Yeah. Isn't it? Isn't it generally like cold where you are at? For the most part, I, I heard. I heard there was a heat wave over there not that long ago. But still, kind of is. That, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, is we it generally cold? Sit, uh, we usually sit kind of quite moderate, like all yeah. the time. It gets cold in winter and it gets hot in summer, but we don't usually do the extremes. Whereas this year and the last couple of years, we've done the cold extreme, and this year we've absolutely done the hot extreme. So yeah. it's it's kind of going, oh, yeah. it's expanding, which is not a good sign. Yeah, it's because uh, we're just in that right spot aren't we're we? quite temperate yeah. usually yeah, yeah. europe's experiencing its worst drought in literally 500 years yeah. so yeah <laughs> there was a french river yeah. that doesn't exist anymore like they've, they've actually found like as, as as river levels go down they're finding things that people carved the last time the drought was this bad that we never knew existed as history wow. so it's it's, it's like a, it's, it's it's a crazy time yeah mm. um oh wow yeah i moved over here to get away from heat and things like that and i'm like it's definitely not been the case this year like at least in Canada, we got we got we got air conditioning in places. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see if it um, if it affects like the way 
uh, homes are made over there, like the architecture, because um, from what I understand, like, correct me if I'm wrong, like the architecture and the houses are built to keep the heat in. Yeah. Right. We, 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 we build with brick, brick. Yeah. Not wood, not wood, not, not siding and then insulation brick. And so, and um, like cavity wall filling and massive, like so, insulated so, loft. Space. Yeah. So during, like you know, yeah. So the sun will come and hit the brick and warm that up and da 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 da. And then hopefully in the in the wintertime, it means when you put the heater on, it'll keep the heat in. Mm. Um. Yeah. That that just if this is the new normal, that's not going to be. It's not going to work. Nope. And they'll have to figure things out uh, beyond because even like little window air conditioning units, these things don't really don't really exist. Mm. there's things i looked it up there's things you can buy but they're they're not going to do a job <laughs> like, well, it's the, the amount you'd be paying for a no it's not now. oh yeah, yeah it's not worth so yeah it's been a bit of a suffer it kind of uh season so but i'll tell you what hasn't been a suffer it season that's having julene join us yeah. as Ooh. per usual yeah. always tell you what julene if you look at the films you've brought to us they've all been really highly rated yep. by yeah. us yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's not because we're playing nice <laughs> <laughs> I, the hate you give is actually on the list of films i could teach i didn't realize that oh yeah yeah, yeah they're just added really? it so it is now we've, we've already finished like all our lesson planning for the following so it's, it's not it's not one that we're necessarily going to but we might use it as something to uh pad out the uh pad out the, the, the curriculum should we find ourselves in need of a uh extra oh, film no. before they start yeah so it's actually on my list of films i can choose which is only like five films for that unit so i was really surprised by that so yeah that's awesome so i know oh. I, i'm in a lot of groups and some people are, are making the switch and uh, so i've always been like hey if you want to talk about it i'm more than happy to talk to you about some themes and things like that and point you in some directions because uh, i said i have watched it and talked about it at great length i'm just, we're just not teaching it this year yet so yeah so such is look at that awesome. yeah <laughs> so you know between reverend bruce and casablanca liam and bonnie and clyde <laughs> and they're taking away little miss sunshine oh my heart oh it breaks my heart Taking away your little bit of sunshine. There it is. So I'm doing Juno instead. There we are. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a good film. Something else that I'm sure at some point will get the BFE treatment, but not yet. Yeah. What? Oh, did you see how, um, spe- speaking of Juno, have you seen how they did Elliot Page's portrayal of the of number seven in Umbrella Academy? I, oh, yeah. I'm not watching um, Umbrella was, Academy. Not because I'm against it, just. So There's only so many hours in the day. Yeah, yeah it same. was. It was. It was good. The season itself was kind of meh, but it was a. Good, it was a good character choice. Yes, I was like, I was wondering how that was going to play out. You know, since um, Elliot Page came out as trans, and I was like, oh, they better not make Elliot go back to, you know, playing the old character Vanya. And what they did was awesome. I I I love it. I I love to see it. Okay, I love to see it. <laughs> oh, excellent! Well, I'll tell you what we love to see, and that's Julene absolutely at the other end of a BFE uh, review. So I know. <laughs> so thank you so much, Julene. We're gonna wrap this one up, Julene. If you want to go ahead and say your name after Ethan, as we do the walk down here in a moment, I haven't even thought of a sign off line yet. Oh my word! What have I done? I'm going to stall here for a second as I think. All right. I th- I got it. Right. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> Pretty easy, this one. I got it. All right. So, 
please join us next week as we let the bullet out of the chamber. Yeah. And do three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah. For best film ever, I've been Liam. I've been Liam. I've been Ethan. I've been Julene. And I've been Georgia. <laughs> and you know what? This was a film that brought us a lot of highs, a lot of lows. We learned how to count to three. And all I'm going to say now is, Arriva Derchi. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you on the flippity flop. The flippity flip flop. <laughs>